0: And welcome to, this is 104 of these we do a year, and these are our big ones. These are our big three-hour ones. This is the Pit Ups Podcast. I am the host, Angelo, and I'm back this week with my buddy, Will.
1: Yeah, what's up, guys?
0: And uh, also, this and is his ladies. first one. This is Yay. his first one. He's going to sit here for the, for the three-hour marathon that we're about to go through. Uh, Mr. Michael, how are you, sir?
2: I am doing fine, thank you.
0: Are you prepared for this? I hope so. Okay. What episode is this? Uh, this would happen to be episode 115, Dragons right. of Tarkir Pro Tour. Oh, uh, I might actually change the name when I actually put it on, but that's roundabouts where it's going to be. Um, so. Here's the deal, guys. We need to jump right in. Uh, Michael, good luck on your first one of these. This is where we got our little moniker, Sports Center of Magic. Okay, so to start off, we started the day of day one of the Pro Tour. We get to sit down and we get to watch some players draft. Well, let's watch a Hall of Famer. That usually is where they start, and they started us off with uh, Hugh Jensen, and he goes pack one, pick one, Anafenza, Kintry Spirit. Smart. Yes, very smart. However, he did say that um, that was the last card he wanted to open because every time he had drafted it during practice, his deck was a train wreck. So, like, that's not what he wanted to see. However, he did get it. Okay, cool, you have to take it. It's too good to just pass. Um Pick two, he goes with a Bolt. Then he grabs a Sabertooth Outrider. Then he grabs a Silumgar Butcher. Then a Sabertooth Outrider. He's beginning to change all of a sudden. He does get a ruthless death bang a little late in the pack. So uh at this point, by the end of pack one, White is no longer on his radar. Those are his first five picks of pack one. We're going to move to pack two. Um, his first pick, Deathwing. Uh, yeah. It's just when you need to kill something, it's dead. Yeah, death One's pretty accurate in this format. Yeah, it's really good. Um, then he his second pick was, quite frankly, one of the better forms of removal as well, and that is Flatten, one of the best commons in the format Yeah, I love. It. Oh,
1: man. <laughs> so good.
0: It really is. Uh Pick three, he gets a Reckless Imp, which is a lot better than, I think, initially people expected to see because of the whole can't block thing. But you know what? When they're flyers, you usually don't want to block anyway. Um, and then he gets a Sprinting War Brute. Yeah, that card's very powerful. Mm-hmm. Pick five, he grabs a defeat, and that is where we're going to shut down the, uh, the Dragons of Tarkir portion of the draft. We're gonna move to pack three, where, you know, there's a lot of bomby rares in it, like, oh my god, you can just open a card and just go, I win, so he goes pack three, fate Reforged, pick one, Mardu Scout. Mm. Not what he was looking for. It's a common. Yeah, uh, It's a fine common. It is, but not what you're looking for. <laughs> like, you're okay with that fourth pick. You might even be okay with that third pick. First pick, you're like, ah, uh, that's a little disappointing. Uh, pick two, however, he gets a Bathe in Dragonfire, which is just great. Um He gets a pick three, Dowson Gloom, a pick four, Goblin Heel Cutter, and a uh pick five, Saltai Emissary, and that really was a gift. Like, he needed the two drops. Um He ended up getting another one as well. He really drafted his seed extremely well. He was smart enough to get away from Anafenzo when the signal clearly said for him to do so um i was actually kind of happy with watching that draft like i mean it wasn't a great deck i mean it was like a c plus b, b minus deck but it was not it wasn't a train wreck like it could have been if he would have been fighting for white
1: yeah i mean i think that reading the table and understanding what's being passed to you is pretty important it's it's not you know dragons of tarkir is very different from Cons.
0: it absolutely is um so then we get to uh, watch jacob wilson go ahead and draft and. You know, sometimes you just are a luck sack.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is one of the sickest draft decks I have ever seen, hands down. He starts out with a Dragonlord Ojitai. Card's good. <laughs> <Duh>. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, pick two, he gets a Sandcrafter Mage. This is one of my favorite cards in the format. Yeah, it's very, very good. Solid through drop. Yeah. Uh, pick three, he gets, you know, one of the better forms of sideboard removal and that's in case of ice. So good. Uh, pick- Potentially, even I mean, like if your deck's bad, you can main deck that as a twenty-third card. You can. Uh, it, it is a lot stronger out of the side, you know, being that it's one of those color hosers. You, you don't really want to run it main. Uh, Godul Lurker was his fourth pick, and then his fifth pick of the pack was Surge of Righteousness, and there I'm like, okay, this deck doesn't look like it's really turning out that good. Well, let's just move to Pat hoofs where he opens a Sun Scorch Regent to go with that Dragon Lord
1: <laughs>
0: then he gets a Zephyr Scribe because you know sometimes you want to loot and then he gets an Ojitai's Command because why not right
1: <laughs> wow. that's a good third pick yeah let's play Construct that one's that one's spicy
0: <laughs> then he gets a fourth pick pacifism so like he was the white drafter yeah um, pick five he gets Enduring Victory again fine card um, then we're going to move to Fate Reforge where he opens a Shun Yu <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. 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 Just so like like four on color rare so far, that's really, really strong.
0: Right. And then uh pick two, he gets a sandblast because why not? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, Obviously no one is white next to him.
0: Yeah. uh Pick three, he gets a Jeskai Sage to go with that good old lurker he had earlier. Fine card. What a good combo. I'm going to draw a card and then dig four deep for a card. Jeez. Uh Pick four, he gets Written in the Being. Which mm. is I think it's the best of that, that cycle.
1: It's um it's really good. I don't know if it's better than the flying life like life form. But like yeah, yeah, life form like, is it's, really
0: good. It's between those two.
1: Yeah, it's it's I mean just the ability to fix and have a two drop there is everything blue wants to do.
0: Yeah yeah, the writ the scry two before you put that one on top, you almost guaranteed a creature. It's just yeah. I I really enjoy it. See um, I don't. I get two lands every time. Well
1: then quick that, question,
2: okay. yes. Gadul Lurker or did he get the two four for four? Because Gadul Lurker is the unblockable guy.
0: Oh, okay. My bad. Well he did get some of those uh Okay. Those other ones. I'm sorry. He okay. got the other Gadul thing, I guess. Um I'm
2: I'm sitting here confused. That's it. Yeah, I was too. All right. Um
0: I'm sorry. That's all right. Words and stuff. (laughs) And then pick five, he gets a whisk away to pretty much just kind of round his deck out. And Jacob Wilson's deck was absurdly solid. Uh, it was an a plus.
1: That's, that's a good one.
0: I'm not even going to, uh, mix words with that. So is what it is. Um, and then, you know, just to start, we get to watch uh, Hugh Jensen play against Jacob Wilson. So the number 8 current player in the world versus the number 12 current player in the world. Unfortunately, this is really like the only thing I missed. I missed game 1. Uh, but I did catch game 2, where it really counted. And Jacob Wilson was already up a game. Um, Jensen does jump out with, you know, a 2, 3, and 4 drop where Wilson answers extremely well. Um, uh, Wilson plays a turn 5 Dragonlord Ojitai, then follows that with a Sunscorch Regent. Regent dies in combat, however, Ojitai just kinda takes over because they anticipate every turn, Ty does things.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, three cards in this is gonna probably seal the deal.
0: Yeah, uh, so Jacob Wilson wins this 2-0 with his absolutely absurd deck, and in the second round we got to watch, uh, Josh Utterlayton, 23rd ranked player in the world, running a black-red deck, uh, he goes up against, uh, Gadeniz and Vitigaris, and he is running nice. white what?
1: Oh, that's a good match.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, Garris is probably fairly underrated. He always does well
1: I mean, when he's, he shows he's, up. he's been a grinder for a long, long time.
0: I mean, he's been grinding Magic for 10, 12 years now, so... Right. Um I think the only reason he's not in the uh, rankings is because he's not U.S. I, yeah. I think that's a fair comment. Like, he he would have to travel so much to get into the top 25, where the U.S. born and the Japanese-born players, they kind of have an, uh, an advantage with that because there's just more GDs. Sure. So, yeah. um it starts out with game 1. Gadenis stumbles a bit and uh Raptor dashes two creatures a turn with his imp on the board. And this Raptor just rides after to victory. Uh so Josh and up 1-0. Game 2 Gadenis plays a turn for Teamer Warshaman. Um yeah. <laughs>
1: That's pretty on time.
0: <laughs> That's very on time. <laughs> um and the manifest ha- that came from the Warshaman was a word scale dragon.
1: Uh <laughs> lolz.
0: <laughs> yeah, I got him there. Um I yeah. really don't need to explain much more that game ends. One. One is the score. Game three, uh Josh Edward Under- Leighton leads with a typhoid rat. Good Dennis uh follows with a light walker, Raptor plays uh three card and is left with a grip of three swamps. Ah, okay, that makes more sense now. I'm sorry, my rating's terrible. Um <laughs> Raptor just keeps it seems to hit lands. Uh, Gadenis plays a Sphere of the Wastes for six. <laughs> That's a lot of dudes. Uh, then he attacks for 12 after an Assault Formation pump, and Raptor <laughs> just kind of looks down, grabs his cards, and goes, yeah, I'm going to reach my hand out now. So Gadenis Vitagaris wins that one two to one. So round three, and you know I was very happy about this one. We have Matej Zadokai running Red White versus Frank Karstens. Running red-black. Uh, I just like watching Frank Karstens.
1: <laughs> I, uh, we uh, uh, we do know that.
0: Uh, yes. The game, however, starts as the classic screw-verse-flood. Okay? Karstens ha- is stuck on two land. Matei just floods the five very quickly. Um, Karstens finally gets a third land, and he, uh, which is his black- um, like, he he was he had no black. It was just mountain, mountain, and it's like, and I need some black mana. So now he got a chance to do that. <clears throat> Karstens does an amazing job to put himself into a position to win. However, um, Matei Zadokai's Erishin Cleric actually puts things just out of reach. Like, Karstens was going to win next turn, and then that gain of three life legitimately changed the game completely, and Zadokai wins at 1-0. <clears throat> Zadokai. Game 2.
1: A lengthy pause.
0: I had to (laughs) cough.
1: That's cool. That's no worries,
0: man. Okay. Uh in game two uh Mana is an issue for Karstens yet again, stalling it you. However, this time he gets a red and a black. Um, he draws a third. Eventually, he plays a Gorse Swine. Uh Matei's Adokai answers with a Summit Prowler. That is better than a Gorse Swine. <laughs> Flatten kills the Summit Prowler, however, uh and Matei just plays another.
2: <laughs>
0: um, Love me some Summit Prowler. Right. Uh Carstens walks a Heel Cutter directly into a Sand Blast. Another Sand Blast kills a Noxus Dragon. A Death Wind kills the Prowler. Matei morphs two creatures in one turn um one that was a Stormcrag elemental after the flip to show what it was uh Carsons extends the hand and matei zadokai the european coverage guy wins that one two zero um good for Mm matei the draft was the draft for the day was extremely interesting um i enjoyed it but we need to move to standard and will what happened in the first day of standard I, i did we see anything really cool
1: Yeah, I mean, okay, definitely, for sure. There was, like, extremely powerful magic happening. Um, the metagame breakdown. Uh, basically, we had 47 players on the red Aggro variants uh, as the most played deck in the room. Abzan Aggro was the second most played with 41. Red green dragons, uh, which is like you know just the grindy storm breath dragon one, for uh, 36 play or 36 players uh, for the third most played deck. Blue black control uh, with 32 players is the fourth most played deck, and Abzan
0: control being our fifth most played deck. Uh,
1: we had green white devotion, and then Jeskai variants after that. So easy win.
0: Right. Um, it it does show the health of the field. When really, realistically, only two decks were over ten percent, were ten percent or over, because actually, Abzan Aggro came in at exactly ten percent of the field.
1: Right. Yeah. There, there's 400 408 players in the field.
0: Yeah. So that was that's really cool.
1: Yeah, uh, there was a uh, a lot of decks, and then we actually saw a lot of uh, decks on the coverage that were like not the most played decks in the metagame. So it was, it was a very cool day. Mm-hmm. Um, round four, we had uh, Li Shi Tian uh, playing. Of course, he's playing Jeskai Sentinels combo uh, versus Ivan Flock who was on Sidisi Whip, which uh, I thought this match was super interesting early in the uh, early in the coverage. Your pick versus my pick. Pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh,
0: I thought that was going to mean something when I was watching it.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, so, game one, Flock and, and Tian both start with a turn two Karyatib. Uh Sorry, man, us again. Tian makes a third land and an ascendancy the next turn, uh, while Flock keeps up with a Sidisi on turn three. Uh, on turn four, however, Tian makes another Ascendancy off of his third land while he's able to tap his um, Karyatid to play Dragon Mantle. He then shows Flock that he has Dragon Mantle Retraction Helix in his hand and then therefore goes infinite. Draws. Uh, eventually, he kills him with a milling combo on turn four. Pretty, pretty sweet stuff.
0: Yeah, I will say that it wasn't apparent when you showed it to him that he actually had the win, and I, I like that Flock was like, "Play it." Yeah, play it out and um, show me the win. And as soon as you show me that you ha- that you drawn the mill card, I will absolutely yeah. pick the cards up.
1: I think that's I think that's totally correct. Uh, but it turns out that when you have the two ascendancies um, and the retraction helix, that's and dragon's mantle, that's enough to go infinite in a loop in in and the of its own you can actually just generate uh one plus mana by playing dragon's mantle over and over again to loot combo right but uh, at the
0: same time it's not like we haven't seen people show up at pro tours and actually make pop eights with decks that actually had no win calling right so right, you right. have to make them show you look i have something that can actually yeah, absolutely absolutely <laughs> um,
1: game two Thoughtseize uh, begins the day for or begins the game for Flock, uh, which clears a mana producer. Uh, it was Rattleclaw Mystic, which allows also a turn three Tassiger follow up and block. Uh, Tian draws Ascendancy, and but uh, and he eventually is able to play mana creatures and establish some putting on the board. But Tassiger, along with uh, the Swan Song tokens that eventually showed up, trying to fight off the removal spells to protect his creatures, uh, provided too much of a clock uh, and. Tian ended up just drawing more lands than actual business spells. Was never able to find the actual combo and died on turn seven or so to Flock's beatdown. Game Yay. three, yeah. <laughs> Game three, uh, turn two carry tits for both. Tian, however, has no ascendancy in the hand whatsoever, uh, but he does have helix and dragon mantle. Thought from Flock takes the helix and, uh, Tian floods out a bit again. Sadisi comes down, this is uh the one that makes zombies, the first Sadisi. And she's able to go pretty nuts. Uh she attacks three times, makes or she attacks twice, makes three total zombies. And uh in just a, a one last, you know, I got you all these, um Flock blights his own karyatid to kill Tian's only creature in play just to prove how far ahead he was. Uh, Ivan Flock 2-1 over Lishitan.
0: It's not a play that you see that often, but it does come up like specifically in that matchup <laughs> because yeah. that card that can kill you.
1: Yeah, it's it's something that I really haven't um thought about or you know having, having not played that specific interaction before and it was pretty cool to have Ivan Flock show that on on you know TV to show <laughs> the whole world about it. That's very cool. Yep. Round five, we have Seth Mansfield playing, uh, Atarka Abzan, which is pretty sweet, versus <laughs> Jamie Park on Chromanta player, which, uh, <laughs> you which would, was awesome. Yeah, Ooh. no, it was. You, you would, it's like, and it was really, really cool. It was a super, super sweet, long, grindy two-game match. Um, but, uh, he wasn't the only guy playing it, actually. It turns out that a, a couple pretty real players, uh, Zvi designed the designed the deck. And having seen the way it plays, it's it's pretty complete. It could definitely, you know, in the in the hands of a capable player, play in a, a regional level event, no problem.
0: Oh yeah, this is the type of deck you want to go house of Friday Night Magic with.
1: Oh yeah, it's like if you're if you're a sweet player and you take this to Friday Night Magic, you're gonna have so much fun beating
0: the crap out of everyone. It's very well thought out. Yep. Very fun. That That's the key word there, was when you it, said fun. It's an extremely fun deck.
1: It is very fun. I mean, it, it looked powerful, too. That's the thing. Like, um, the the way it's designed, all the numbers are very good and it's accurate. But anyway, uh both players, believe it or not, start off with turn two Sylvan Karyatids. They, that happens a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's magic. <laughs> yeah. After that, turn three Seder Wayfinders for both of them, because those cards are all really, really good uh, Jamie Park, however, makes a Dead Mist Raptor on turn four, which gets utter-ended, which is pretty brutal. That's a very efficient way to take care of that. Uh, Jamie then communes with the gods and gets Sidisi Brood Tyrant uh, off of it. He then is able to delve out a soul flare, giving it hexproof and indestructible from a Sylvan Karyatid and a Farika uh, god of whatever her
0: yeah, godness is. So. Farika
1: the godness. <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> I didn't write it down, I'm sorry. God of Affliction. Affliction. Yes. Here we go. Uh, in, in response to this, Mansfield, I mean, not in response, but as, as a response to this, Mansfield makes a Courser of Krufix. This is not
0: seeming to be very fair. Yeah, and a really sad face.
1: Yeah, like <laughs> a very confused sad face, actually.
0: He's like, look, and he's like, what is that? Yeah. It's a, Oh, man.
1: <laughs> Jamie Park then gets to make the Sidisi that we saw, uh, but then Atarka is a huge dragon, and it comes down, and it, it just burns away Sidisi and the zombie that she made. Oh, Atarka also gets to attack the next turn after not a whole lot of action from Park, putting Park down to exactly 8, which is not good because Atarka herself is an 8-8. Eight eight. Uh, however... Park is able to morph and unmorph a Den Protector, or unmegamorph, whatever happens. But just
2: unmorph. Just stick with that. <laughs> just
1: okay. So so he's able to do the the megamorph unmorph Den Protector trick, uh, which is able to get back a Raptor out of his graveyard, and he regrows a Murderous Cut, which he's then able to cast for one mana, killing this dragon and saving his life for the time. Elspeth, however, is the next play from Mansfield, which is slightly problematic, you would think, from a deck that is mostly creatures, but Park is able to play Asylum Guard the Drifting Death, which is very, very, very good in this situation. <laughs> so, Mansfield again puts on his pouty face, <laughs> uh, and passes the turn, only to have Chromanticore bestowed onto the Soul Player that was already hexproof and
2: indestructible. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, so that's hexproof, flying, indestructible, lifelink, first strike, trample. Vigilance? Vigilance? Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. It's just
1: all of it, everything but haste, and it was already in play, so. Yep. It was <laughs> enough to kill.
2: <laughs> yeah. Hey, it didn't have, it didn't have gun. It gives a
1: double strike. It doesn't give a first strike. It gives a double strike, doesn't it? Oh, no, it's first strike. First strike? Oh yep. man. Either way, it's some shit.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. It's an upgraded Atarka at this point, because it is an
1: 8-8. <laughs> yeah, super, so super long, grindy game one, really brutal. You know, lots of big, powerful plays from both players, which leads us to game two. And we get this play of Kary Tid and Corsers and Sator Wayfinders again. Uh, and then more sweetness shows up as Jamie Park summons a Torin Elemental. <laughs> yeah, um, all the fun stuff. Well, you know, it's cool though because Seth Mansfield has Atarka and he casts her on turn 6, killing Corsair and Seder Wayfinder. Park then, then Protector unmorphs into a murderous cut again to kill Atarka again, which again was a sweet play. But then Seth Mansfield has Ugin on turn 7. <laughs> and you're like, are you kidding me? Like this game's totally over, right? But um, no, cause uh, Jimmy Park just has a mer- or a uh, hero's downfall. So then, Seth Manfield, Manfield decides, with his next eight mana turn, to whip back a, to play a, a Sidisi's Whip and whip back a Tarka. <laughs> so when the Tarka has Life Link, the five damage gains you life. Yep. So it's wow. it's a thirteen point swing in addition to the Elspeth tokens. So or that maybe not game, right? in this game. Uh well, it put Mansfield to 31 life and Park at 9, Uh but then several turns later, uh multiple whip activations, getting, like, uh Tassiger, et etc. But yeah, eventually, that was the breaking point. It ended the game. Uh However, both games were super long. Again, multiple 8-mana spells played, etc. 1-1 uh, draw was the outcome.
0: Yay! <laughs> yeah, right?
1: <laughs> but, like, really fun round to watch. Super cool. Yeah,
0: for a draw game, like, you didn't even... I remember sitting there watching it going, this doesn't feel like three games, because it was cool. It was like a lot of back and forth. Uh, there was a lot of action going on, so this is a good game to watch.
1: Yeah, and, and the fact that mm-hmm. the deck was... So different. different something <laughs> non-conventional and like, I mean, Jamie Park at least won one game in a Pro or one match in a Pro Tour with it, mm-hmm. and threw another one. I, I don't know what his overall standard record was with it, but that's, that's really sweet, and it's something that like, you know, Jamie Park's a real Magic player, and so does Svima Auschwitz, and I don't know who else played it, but like five total players you know, thought this deck was good, so I, I'd love to get a hold of the list. Uh, round six, we have Owen Turtenwald running last month's <laughs> Abzan midrange versus Stephen Madden playing Green Devotion Sweetness, Strength of the Fallen combo.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, uh, we start off game one on turn two uh, with a voyaging satyr from Stephen Madden. Also, Owen Turnwald plays a tur- a, uh, a Wayfinder. Or no, I'm sorry. Turn three, uh, Steve Madden plays a Wayfinder. Owen is just building his mana at this point in time. Uh, after this, Madden makes two Strength of the Fallens uh, on turn three, while again, Owen c- continues to build mana. On, on the next uh, turns from Madden... He plays two Eidolons of Blossoms, making, like, a lot of triggers happen when enchantments come into play. <laughs> you, like, in the whole time, the, uh, Voyaging Seder, uh, and the Seder Wayfinders are getting these pumps from the Strength of Numbers, and it's actually dealing a lot of damage to Turnwall at this point in time. Uh, Owen eventually makes an Elspeth, like, finally saving himself from this onslaught of craziness, um, uh, and he's able to kill one of the with an um, Utter End. Uh. So we think that he's stabilized and Elspeth's going to ultimate. However, Stephen Madden draws the sweetness with a one of court of calling in his deck to tutor for Nylea, who is an enchantment, <laughs> who triggers Strength of the Fallen. And his graveyard at this point in time is massive. So the uh, the damage that comes through on that turn is enough to kill Owen Turtonwald in the game one. So Stephen Madden, up a game. We go on to game two. Uh, there are several turns of Madden making creatures and Owen killing everything, literally like one-for-one one removal for a couple turns until he allows uh, an end hostilities turn, and then again there's another end hostilities turn. Uh, eventually, after everything is you know said and done with, Planeswalkers take the game. <laughs> we go on to game three. Madden gets very early dudes and strength in numbers. This is, okay, so this was in the, the top right window uh while the main coverage was happening, so it was a little bit hard to watch. Um, but basically he gets like three dudes and a strength in numbers on the first three turns of the game, and on turn four he casts Thoughtseize to remove Owen's end hostilities. Well, and Ed- Owen did not have a Karyatid or a Courser, he did not have any spot removal or anything in the game, he was really banking on the end hostilities and possibly off of a Mulligan, uh, and he just died immediately thereafter. He had he, the only thing he hadn't play on uh was Lance at the at the end of the game, so kind of anticlimactic finish. Also in the top right box, while something else was happening in round six. <laughs> <laughs> so nonetheless, though uh Stephen Madden takes this match two one uh, with a pretty sweet homebrew. Really, you know, like I don't think anyone else was on the list. Mm-hmm. Round seven, uh we have Ula Rada Rade. Ula uh okay, I think it's Ula Rade. I'm, I'm almost, I mean, I'm re- it's real bad, he's Swedish. He's, you're both
2: half right. Will, you got the first name right, Angela got the last name right. What's the last name?
1: Rade. Rade? Okay, I thought mm-hmm. I said that second time.
2: Ula Rade. Right, right. He's playing
1: Red-Green Dragons, fourth most represented deck, or third most represented deck in the tournament, pretty sweet. Uh, he's playing against namsung wook the Korean player, also playing, uh, Ascendancy Combo. Game one, Ula makes early men that make mana, and he burns the first Rattleclaw Mystic that Nam plays, uh, on turn two, with the Dragon's Roar card, right? Mm, yeah. So, uh, at Didn't this point, Is
0: hmm? Was he able to reveal? Did
1: he reveal a dragon? Uh, yeah, I, I think it was a...
0: It doesn't matter, it doesn't that's matter.
1: Okay. He did reveal, he did deal the damage to the player, but okay. I don't, I didn't actually write down what he revealed.
0: Okay, that's cool. Yep.
1: I didn't even write down that it was a Dragon's War, so, there you go. <laughs> Memory. Uh, <laughs> at this point in time, Wook has no non-land permanence in play, uh, but he tries to, no I'm sorry, I lied. Ulurade then presses the advantage, uh, with, uh, a Xenagos making a hasty satyr, attacking, trying to finish the game off as quickly as possible because he knows he doesn't really have ways to interact with the combo. Uh, on this turn, Wu casts Anticipate, building his hand further, also gets to cast Tormenting Voice, really trying to churn away through cards, just trying to get to the meat because he doesn't have any point or any parts of his combo symbol at this point in time. Ole really, really wants to end the game. He plus ones the Xenagos and casts a Crater's Claws for eight. Uh, and then attacks for an additional three man, or three damage with a courser, courser and a a satyr, putting Wook down to two, uh, and then passes the turn. (laughs) Lots of stuff happens on this turn. (laughs) 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 Like, lots. This Uh, is
0: a crucial turn in the game.
1: (laughs) Yeah, basically, Namsoon Wook was given the options to combo out or die, and he played, he, he looked at, it had to be 20 cards of his deck. Uh, he, he started with one Ascendancy, dug and dug and dug, had three Dragon Mantles on one Sylvan Karyatid at the end of this and still did not have it going together. Gets a second Jeskai Ascendancy, continues to dig through cards and, and eventually gets a Commune with Gods to finally, he like whiffs on a, on a on the first Retraction Helix and then finally gets one last Anticipate and the third card on the Anticipate, was the the retraction helix that he needed to go infinite with dragon mantles and like totally sucker win out of an, wow. an almost dead situation you know just like very very well executed combo out uh bought himself all the turns he could etc like really you know masterful job luck zachary game two uh wook starts with a turn two nix fleece ram say what <laughs> huh people playing yeah. us again <laughs> i i guess so um, well, Uli only has uh Mountains in play uh, At this point in time He has no green mana Until turn three Which is just a real problem He's behind on his curve And again I, I stated he doesn't really have ways To interact with the combo So Wuk just builds For a couple turns Until he finally has Three mana dorks in play And all these And then just combos With no possible way To lose Congratulations. Oh, the anticlimactic? <laughs> I mean it was. You know, <laughs> there was a chance that uh the Rade was gonna win in game one with the race, but like it is a matchup that he is so unfavored in that uh that, you know, he the, the equal level of player is just gonna gonna be able to beat him seventy percent of the time. Round eight, we saw Craig Wesco playing an Ojitai Bant list, which was described as, like, white-green weenie with Ojitai.
0: Makes sense with Craig Wesco. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He was playing green-white weenies, and he just splashed some. Okay.
1: He was playing against the longest name in magic, Paolo Vitor Dama de Rosa, on a blue-black control list splashing for Ojitai. Not not the Esper lists with Narset, etc., but only the dragons, and it was more or less the blue-black shell after that. Game one starts with Craig Wesco summoning a fleece mane lion, which immediately gets bile blighted
0: because Paolo is a smart dude. That's yeah, just what you do to fleece mane lions, right?
1: PV then has a turn to anticipate while Craig Wesko or while Craig Wesco only plays an elvish mystic. But then things go south as a mastery of the, of the unseen resolves on turn three. Oh crap! Oh. PV decide or I guess it was turn four. Actually, I lied. Not turn three. Because the next turn, PV decides to race it with an Ojitai. He just says, look, <laughs> plan two, let's go ahead and uh, get the beats. Unfortunately, Craig Wesco had a Sorak in hand, which was, ha- was able to hastily attack with the formidable trigger.
0: So that PV's- was the Hunt Caller, not the old one.
1: Yeah, the, the new Sorak. I apologize. That's okay. So- Paulo Vitor, however, cruxes one-sidedly, leaving only Ojitai in play. But then, unfortunately, Valorous Stance is the next card to be played by Craig Wesco, which kills dragons much as the
0: picture describes. Oh, so that was a tap, that was your tie.
1: Yeah, well, well, I mean, he was attacking.
0: He was attacking. Sure oh, that was. Valorous Stance. Uh,
1: this whole time, though, there's this mastery of the unseen in play that's just manifesting cards. <laughs> uh, this happens over a couple turns until eventually Paolo is able to make an Ugin. He rolls Ugin up to kill a manifest, putting it to nine and thinking he's pretty safe, but unfortunately another Sirach comes down and still is formidable. <laughs> <laughs> and kills a nine loyalty Ugin. Which is kind of um, a, a really interesting play here because Paolo is at ten life actually, and Craig Wesco has a Den protector. Yeah. yeah. So like this is this is a, a really interesting play by Wesco. Paolo clears the board with a crux again, but Mastery continues to just make dudes go face down on the table. So then Paolo finds a Haven of the Spirit Dragon and rebuys an Ugin. While Pili is doing this, Lesko answers with an Ojutai of his own, because again it's Ojutai Ban. And Ugin has to minus. So he kills everything but the manifests on board. Uh, which, unfortunately, Glesko is able to manif- or to flip a manifested courser of Kruphix, which returns a raptor from his graveyard to his hand, a deathless raptor. This, again, allows him to kill Ugin slightly unexpectedly. More grinding occurs in the game. Um, Paulo is able to get Silumgar, the Drifting Death, the old one, the 3-7, and it holds off a couple of coursers and manifests for a couple of turns. Uh, until finally, he just runs out of gas. Pv goes hellbent with the blueback control deck. He never found a big through time. He never found a Jace's ingenuity. And a monstrous fleece main lion, uh, which also got to unmanifest. Or, or and then followed by a deathmiss raptor, which got to unmorph. Bringing back this deathmiss raptor again, having two deathmiss raptors, a monstrous fleece main lion, and a course of in play was just too much. So Craig Wesco uh takes down game one uh and then unfortunately we did not go back to this match that was the one I was focusing on throughout the uh rest of the coverage. Uh I did not record what happened in the other rounds, but I did go back to later to find out that Craig Wesco won the match two
0: one. Ah, cool. Uh that is why I hate Green White. You hear all that talking? That was one game.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: well, I
1: mean it's like it's like Green White versus blue black and and Wesco's like pre sideboarded with the super tax, so the game yeah. just went forever. Yeah. Now, once
0: he resolved the Mastery, it was like, oh, crap, this is going to take forever.
1: Yeah, you know, I thought PV played it really well, um, and he bought himself a lot of turns, that if he was able to get a draw card, he, he probably would have been able to stabilize and get ahead. But, like, the, the combination of Deathmus, Raptor, Den Protector, and in this case, Mastery of the Unseen is just, like, very popular and very good. Yeah. Yeah, Yes, that was day one standard. Uh, I thought it was really exciting. I thought uh, I thought the games were actually really fun.
0: Yeah. Uh, Day one, I Uh, I felt was a little bit better than day two as far as what they showed on camera. mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was happy to see uh, the Den protectors actually seeing play. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I was was happy to see the Raptors seeing play too.
2: Um, they go hand in hand, will. I know. (laughs) (laughs) They do. They're face down pals. So Papa Raptor and Mama Den protector.
0: Oh wow, that's awesome and slightly anatomically (laughs) scary. Okay. So. We didn't get any big announcement on day one, so... But we did have some some shenanigans that we need to go over. At the end of round six, they flipped over to Patrick Chapin's gate, and Patrick was in turns. um, I believe it was maybe turn two of turns, and... He was resolving the Ajani ability where you get to look at top four cards, reveal one of them, put that card into your hand, put the other three into the graveyard. Uh,
1: does it, but it's, it's specifically reveal a creature among them, right? Yes. Creature,
2: planeswalker, or aura. Yes. Yeah.
0: So he goes ahead and he looks at his top four cards, uh, he chooses one, sets it down face down, puts the other three underneath the graveyard. At this point, the judge stops him. Why did the judge stop him? Because he didn't reveal it yet? No, that wouldn't be why. Because when he set that card down, it was touching the other cards on the table, which was his hand. Now, there is a rule of magic. been added to his hand. Yes, there is a rule of magic that clearly states, if a card touches your hand, it is in your hand. And the fact that his hand was on the table and that other card touched it put the cards in his hand. So at this point, it becomes an upgraded violation to drawing extra cards and even though when you watch it and you look at it and you go well i mean it was sitting right there like it was obviously that card right there he didn't play shell game with it or anything he could reveal it no according to the rules he couldn't um so patrick chapin was given a game loss which you know when you're when it, the game's 1-1 and you're in time um that's you know that, that that's the match so but the, the funny thing was like chapin probably was going to draw it was going to be you know 1-1-1 realistically that that's probably how it was going to end up um But it, we wasn't even really going to go over this, but there was a like, major backlash about it because it was a little uncomfortable.
1: Um, so mm-hmm. I read a Cedric Phillips release uh, today. It was an article on Star City that he wrote that he he claims that Patrick was or Patrick was favored to win. I didn't. I wasn't paying. Yeah, that
2: like match. I was watching that game. It did look like Patrick was going to win, not that turn, but the following turn. Yeah. And I think Patrick had turn four still left. Uh, it feels yeah. like turn two of time. Yeah, yeah and, and
0: the, he could have won, but I mean, th- that's assuming that. And literally, this is a complete assumption that...
2: I mean, his opponent had...
0: His opponent draws uh, nothing. Yeah. You know, like, if he draws but his anything... his opponent would have had to draw something. Yeah, but if he draws anything, this game is going to be a draw. And it I was, was looking at, at...
2: six, and he had Ugin, so he didn't plus Ugin yet. Oh, no, he was going to ultimate Ugin that turn. That's yeah, right. he
1: was going to ultimate Ugin that turn. Yeah. So, uh, but it's also, like, it's not just the drawing extra cards. It's that there's a spe- specific part of it that when you when you add a card into your hand that is unknown information that's supposed to be revealed like that, it automatic it again automatically upgrades it to the game loss
0: state. Yeah. It becomes drawing extra cards at that point. It's not failure to reveal or you know, not maintaining game state. It's yeah, upgraded you know, it, immediately. It's like it's like player error uh... Something or other We're not judging Yeah
1: I read that. it to, I read it today I'm sorry <laughs> I'm, a li- I'm a little brain dead I can find
0: a uh, I can understand uh, yeah. But realistically I mean regardless Of what the outcome Of that was The whole reason That we're even going Over this Is because of the outrage And the, a lot of the outrage Was because people felt That it was very uncomfortable To watch it Because Patrick pleaded His case And then he appealed And then he pleaded His case
1: Against the head judge too And yeah. then he
0: appealed Against mm-hmm. the head judge But the head judge said There's no one else To appeal to But the head judge Did a good job Of saying You know what I'm going to stand here and I am going to let you get it off your chest, but this is what it's going to be. And, you know, Patrick did what he had to do. He, you know, defended his case to the, to, you know, to the ump. And I do give Patrick uh, big marks for at the end of all of this. He picks up his cards. He looks at his opponent. And he says, "Good game." Shakes his hand. I mean, like that, it was really something that somebody a lesser person could have just been like, "Man, fuck this!"
1: Yeah, it, <laughs> it really goes to show like what a good dude he actually is. To so once he's mm-hmm. once he's composed and and like he real because like it takes he's five and zero on the king of the hill table playing Obzan. he's like, you know, this is how it begins and uh you know to get taken out of that by a game loss for a violation of like a it's brutal. <laughs> it's real bad. Yeah. So, you know, once he recovers from it, he, again, continues to be a human being and a good man. Yeah. You know, c- on that. Well yeah, possible.
0: but at the same time, like, I don't think, and they said, that, you know, there's a lot of people saying that they never want to see this on camera. I personally, um, and it wasn't because, you know, watching Patrick sit there and squirm or anything. It was more or less, I like seeing it because it shows how you're supposed to handle a situation with Judge. Mm-hmm. Like, do not be afraid to appeal. You know, do not be afraid to plead your case. I mean, you might not get the outcome that you want, but he didn't lie about the situation that was going on. He explained it, you know, absolutely to a T. And he you know, he pleaded his own side of the case. Um He pleaded on some fairly unfair grounds as well. Yeah, he did ask that they check the tape and you can't check the tape because no. that creates the feature area as a special area. They they're affected by rules that everybody else isn't because yeah. there's not cameras on it. So you 9.5. have to yeah, you have to have a fair playing field for everybody. So he he did not get it overturned. He did get the loss. Um, But again, you know, I have to give him big credit for, you know, defending his case, explaining it to a T exactly what happened without misrepresenting. (laughs) Um, And... (laughs) And being <laughs> a gentleman enough that at the end of it, showing good enough sportsmanship to, you know, shake his opponent's hand and say, you know, good game. It happens. I and mean, if you played in this long enough, you'll understand that, you know, this type of shit happens. But the reason I kept hinting at that, uh, <laughs> explained it to a T and did not misrepresent is because, old oh, Jeremy Dazani, former number one player in the world. Um, yeah, he's a cheater. <laughs> (laughs) Oh, that's how you get to be number one. Yeah, see, a while back, if you guys remember, I said that there was a high-level player who I had been hearing through the grapevines is a bit of a scumbag, but I didn't want to put his name out because he was that high-level that I didn't want to deal with the backlash. Well, this is exactly who I was talking about. Like, no fucking around. It was Jeremy Desani, And what ended up happening was Jeremy Dizani was playing in a game with a guy, and a judge got called. My guess is he was trying to rules lawyer the dude. Um, <laughs> a judge got called and when the judge came over, he told the judge a different story than what he was originally explaining. And lying to judges will get you disqualified from tournaments. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Uh, so for changing his, uh, for modifying his version of the story while discussing the incident with the judges, he was DQ'd from the event in round eight. Good. Bad
2: round to get DQ'd in.
0: Yeah, I think he didn't have a good record anyway.
1: There's there's never a good round to
0: get TQ'd, and you should
1: not be doing shit that
0: gets you disqualified from magic tournaments. That is true. God damn. You hit that one right on the nose, William. I mean, when you're right, you're right.
1: Uh, I mean, it just, it continues to, like, cause outrage in me every time I hear that there are people cheating in Magic. Like, it really, really bothers me because, like, I've tried so hard at this game for so long, Yeah, you know?
0: Yeah, and I know, I know myself, like, I always play by the rules, whether it's, yeah. my, to my detriment, I still do it because yeah. those are the rules.
1: If I ever acknowledge, become aware of the point in time where I am in an illegal board state, I absolutely call judges.
0: Yep, yeah. I mean, I can, over in Cleveland when I was up there, I was sitting in my grinder, and I actually called a judge over on myself. Judge comes over, and he goes, what's up? I I looked right at him and said, I need a game loss for drawing extra cards. Because as I flip a morph going to the graveyard, I accidentally hit the top card of the deck. It flipped over. I saw it. Mm. And the judge said, oh, okay, write me up the game loss. And he went on his way, very happy that I, you know, told him this is what happened, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, you don't catch flack from these guys. They actually appreciate you for just being mm. honest.
1: Yeah. Just, judge, being a judge is hard.
0: It is. It really is. And you save them a lot of time by being honest. And, you know, try to keep in mind, even when there's money on the line, it's, it, it all reverts back to the fact that it is a game. Say what? It's a game, dude. Oh. It's Between
2: two game, human beings.
0: Right? I mean, you know, most of the time. <laughs> I, I, I've been in some questionable situations. <laughs> you go to another big tournaments, trust me, you will too. But at this moment, we're going to take a quick break uh, for our sponsors that love us so much, and we will be right back in a moment with the Day 2 coverage. Okay, everybody, it's that time again for me to talk about Titan Game Shop. This place is the place to go. They got your sealed product. They got your singles at good prices. They ship pretty much anywhere, you know, within, like, legal things. And they got a bunch of other things coming down the pipe that I need to tell you folks about. You like modern? Well, listen to all this modern stuff they got going on, right? First off, modern masters, We all know it's coming. They're going to have plenty of product. They're going to do a big release sealed event. Seems kind of fun to me. I mean, just come get the product. Also, they're going to have their own series that they're putting on. Okay? I mean, like, geez. The winners, the three winners, they're going to end up getting sponsored to go to GP Pittsburgh right around Thanksgiving. So, like, that's a pretty good prize. Also, on May 10th, they have a PPTQ Milwaukee. But to go along with it, it's also an SCGIQ and a 1K. That's right, a $1,000 in prizes, an invitational qualifier, and a PPTQ all wrapped up in the one. That's a hell of a tournament. Might want to travel for that one. Jeez, that's like kick-ass. But anyway, check these guys out. That's titangameshop.com, T-A-I-T-A-N, gameshop.com, and also at titancards at gmail.com. Get a hold of them at either one of those places. You can also find them over on TCG Player. And remember, if you do decide to go there and order something, let them know that the PIDM sent you. They want to hear it. We want you guys to say it. Helps everybody out. Remember to check his shop out. It's a good shop. I wouldn't put my name on it if I didn't believe it. Okay, uh, and we're back. We're talking about the Day 2 draft section now, and let me tell you, this started out with the reigning, defending, two-time world champion, and if you want to learn how to be stubborn-headed into a horrible deck, you need to go watch this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Pack 1, pick 1, he chooses Gleam of Authority. Uh, pack 2, he picks Death Wind. Or, pick, th- pick two, he chooses Deathwing. Pick three, he chooses Sabertooth Outrider. Pick four, he chooses Dragon Hunter. Pick five, he chooses Colagon Monument. Now, I'll tell you what he didn't choose in a little bit. Okay, so, uh pack two, he goes Flatten, fine card. Uh, pick two, he goes Corpse quest. Then he gets uh pick three, Erish and Foremost. Pick four, Pacifism. Pick five, Vial of Dragonfire. Hmm. You're picking a pick five foul dragon fire. You're not drafting. Your
1: I mean, it's not it's not a terrible card. I, I I can understand it making your deck, and if the pack no, is a- I, I, uh, weak. But uh, uh you know, I'm picking an eighth or tenth or
2: something like that. But. If you're getting it fifth. I think, I think it's fine in the blue white decks.
0: So do I, but, but if you're getting it not fifth, not that high have pick. It, no. The thing is if you're getting it fifth, you're probably not drafting what your seed is telling you to draft.
2: Unless pack one was good to you in like blue, white or blue and either white or black, and then that pack just had like maybe one of each color and it wasn't that stellar of a card, so you took that as removal.
0: Okay. Uh, no, I think that's valid. That's know. valid, I suppose. Uh, so, let's go to uh the Fate Reforge pack, where he got an honors reward for uh pack three, pick one. And mm-hmm. I will tell you what he passed in a moment. <laughs> um, pick two, he got an Abzan Sky Captain. Pick three, Bathe in Dragonfire. Pick four, Lightform. Pick five, Dragon Bell Monk. Now, here's the deal. Shahar should have been green. Like, oh yeah! Oh, obviously should have been green. He <laughs> was screaming, "Pick green! Pick green! Pick green!" the well, whole way through. He was seeing multiple elk herds late. He was seeing epic confrontations. There was a den protector that he opened and said, "No, I don't want to be green." He, he opened the giant mastodon as well. Yes, the mastodon. Yeah. He he got to pick an, a hero's reward over because he wasn't in green at that point. And then he got <laughs> past the teamer war shaman, and he um, had to pass that as well.
1: He yeah, they said he he did not actually like playing green. He played it previously in, yeah. uh, and he just did not like it player preference
0: yeah and you know he did see two whisper of the wilds as well really late but the thing is okay and it's kind of funny because like green is universally by the pros described as the worst color in this format
1: which then means it's the most
0: open it, it, which then means it is the most open and it, when something is this open and the reason it's supposed to be bad is because fate rewards doesn't offer a lot
1: Yeah, it can't realistically support two players.
0: Yeah, you almost have to do all of your drafting in the first two packs. You almost have to build your entire deck out of that, and that's why a lot of the players shy away from it. However, if you do go into it, and you're the only one at the table, because I know on day one there was a guy who drafted Mono Green in my three (laughs) O. Yes, Mono Green. Mm -hmm.
2: Um, Very doable.
0: Yeah, it's doable at that point. Mm -hmm. If it's that open, if it's that open in this situation, it was that open, and he was being stubborn and choosing not to go that way. So his deck in the end, and I'm I'm being completely what the fuck. I'm being completely realistic here. It turned out to be probably a D level deck. Now Shahar's really good.
2: So he's he can, really good.
0: He can steal a win with this. You know, like I, I don't know if he actually did or not, but he could steal a win with this. Um but we did get to watch Namsung Wook Draft, and this is where you get rewarded <laughs> for drafting what your C tells you to draft. <laughs> so he starts off pack one, pick one with Icefall Regent. Um yeah, if we don't talk mythics, that's the card I want.
1: That card's very, very good. Yeah, And it's blue.
0: It is, yep. which is one of the better colors. And
1: I like blue.
0: And quite frankly, if you're not opening a Mythic, that's probably one of the top two rares in the format. Pretty good. Okay, so pick two, he gets a Sandcrafter Mage. Pick three, he gets a Student of Ojatai, which is just absurd. Uh Pick four, he gets a Lightwalker. Pick five, he gets Ojatai's Breath. So he's starting off pretty good. Starting off pretty good here. So then uh pack two, pick one, he gets a Dragonlord Sulimgar
1: Huh. <laughs>
0: sometimes it's just good, I mean, good. Yep. Um, he gets a Zephyr Scribe with a second pick with a third pick he gets a Herald of dramoka so he is still in blue-white but he's looking at the Sillumgar going look if I can grab something to splash this I'm going to but if not I won't uh, I
1: just need one piece of fixing I yeah,
0: yeah one or two pieces and you're you're there uh, pick four he gets pacifism pick five he gets a Zephyr Scribe so he goes into the Fate Reforge and remember, he is looking for a couple pieces of fixing. He opens up a Sage Eye Avengers. So, blue, blue, blue. <laughs> <laughs> Rares are good to him. Um, he gets an Abzan Sky Captain with his second pick, and with his third pick, he chooses a Dismal Backwater. All of a sudden, that, a boy. that Dragon Lord becomes very real. Pick four, he gets an Arishan Cleric. Pick five, which Arishan Cleric realistically has gotten better. There's a lot of two ones, and, you know, there's a lot of two ones in the format right now, and Arishan Cleric actually kills them, where before, it seemed like a card. It just seemed like a blocker forever. Um, and he got a Frostwalker with his fifth pick. Oh, and by the way, on his ninth pick, where he took the good old Sage Eye Avengers over at the Dismal Backwater in that pack. Ooh. So we are playing some Solomgar there. <laughs> very well put together draft. His deck was, you know, an A, easy, very, very strong deck. Very, very good. So we get to watch Hall of Famer, Yelgur with his blue-black deck, play against number seven in the world, two-time, reigning, defending, world champion, Shahar Shenhar, with his train wreck.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Noles.
0: Okay, uh, game one, Yelger gets the Jeskai Sage into the Gurmog Drowner, on turn four. <laughs> what a dream, right? Uh, Shahar gets down, Quick three creatures to start, uh, but no damage gets through because, uh, you know, he has a, a Jeskai Sage that he doesn't want to kill. And then there's a Gurmog Drang, Drowner. And if you're on the ground, you're not getting through that till later in the game. Uh, however, um, Shahar does start to deal small damage each turn with an Abzan Sky Captain, um, getting Yelger down to four before, uh, Yelgur decides to play updraft elemental. Um, Shahar does play a lotus Eyes Mystic, uh, to, and he gets back a Pacifism. He puts it on the updraft elemental. Yelger mm. whisks away the sky captain. Uh, Yelger uses his drowner four times in the game. Mills himself to death without seeing. He has two cards left in his library and he needs a Guard. And he looks at Shahar's life. He looks at the two cards.
1: I he can't looks, kill you no matter
0: what. <laughs> he looks over at what he could steal and he goes, yeah, I can't kill you. I'm going to pick him up. So Shahar gets that game because Yelger killed himself.
2: And <laughs> when <laughs> wins a win.
0: It wins a win. I mean, that's how you got to take him. That's how you got to take uh, Game 2, both players start off actually with decent start. Um, uh, let's see. It says Drowner. Oh, yeah. Drowner eats a goblin uh, to kill a lightwalker. Oh, yeah, yeah. The festering goblin thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he gets to, you know, kill the lightwalker and impulse.
1: That seems really good. That seems
0: like a good turn to me. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> um, th- this is legitimately why blue-black is just so damn good. Um, oh,
1: yeah, the, the synergies available between the exploiting of creatures is ridiculous. Oh,
0: uh, it's just like everything. Like, a Jeskai Sage gets you to draw a card. A Festering Goblin kills something. It's just... Yeah. Ugh, the exploit is so strong.
1: The sweetest one is, like, the the Flash Counter Spell guy. Oh, man, he's so good. Go, sorcerer. Yeah, yeah, one blue-blue Flash Counter Target Creature Spell if you exploit... Bonkers.
0: I like the exploit draw too. That one. That
1: one's, that one's also. Uh, Voltress Aven? Yeah.
0: Voltress Aven with Jess Guy Scout is ju- or Jess Guy Sage is j-
1: yeah, yeah. absurd
0: to me, man. I'm gonna draw three on turn three and be left with a two-through flyer, okay. Yeah,
1: that was my pre-release deck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Yelger, uh, douses and starts, uh, getting his swing on, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, once the board does stabilize, does become stabilized by a typhoid rat. Uh, the typhoid rat for Yelger just starts dealing one turn. Uh, Shahar gets down a student of Ojatai to start digging himself out of it, you know, by gaining life. Uh, Sageye Avengers starts swinging in after Shahana, after Shahar gets himself back to 19 off of the, uh, student. So like he was all the way down to like 7 and then gets back up to 19 and then wow. the Sageye's Avengers was like, yeah, I'll deal with this. um... However, Shahar and Yelger do receive warnings for uh, rules violation, rules violation, where they missed a trigger where, uh, they missed a the trigger off of something in lightworm like something that th- there was a manifest thing that was going on and a and a bolster trigger and like things got missed and it should have went on to a zero two that had a had that enchantment on it that makes it a zero two and more or less both players just forgot that that card was there because that this creature's a zero two was on it so yeah but uh Yoger eventually rips the uh good old dragon Lord taking the taking a six six lifeworm away from Shahar Shenhar. yeah that's a game <laughs> that's that's how you win the magics um game three uh this game immediately starts to well, <laughs> what
1: i'm just laughing about the game I just I think it's funny.
0: 6-6 six, six Lightwarm? Yeah.
1: Well, just the fact that, like, the one player maybe forgot about the zero two 2 because he wanted to put it on his lifelink guy, yeah. and then the other guy was like, uh, maybe I could let that happen because I have Dragon Wars All-Dark. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like I definitely agree with the, the warning, <laughs> for sure.
0: Well, both players do have to maintain a proper game state. That's why they both got it. But
1: Yeah, no, I know, absolutely. It was a legit
0: mistake. And then it's like, well, I have a dragon Lord now, so I'm just going to take that big ass yeah. creature. I mean, and it, and it
1: could be a legitimate mistake too, but it could be a, you know, hey, <laughs> my opponent didn't notice. Maybe I can let this let this be good for me.
0: Yeah, maybe. Uh, I think he drew the dragon lord after it happened, so it wasn't like he was staring at it. Oh well, then it, then it's definitely less scumbaggery. Yeah. Uh, so game three begins, and immediately from the jump, you know, oh fuck, this is going to go long. Uh, Shahar ends up getting a second game rules violation warning. Um, for something, I forget exactly what. Um, Gleam starts to pull Shenhar ahead a little bit, okay? Uh, but then Yelgur plays the Dragon Lord, Steal- Solengar, uh stealing the Gleam to Krushok. Uh Yelgur uh, attacks with everything. Uh, Yelgur does it again. Shahar has one creature uh, with Yelgur holding the whisk away, uh, both times that he swung. But, you know, just in case Shahar did decide I'm going to block, yeah, it, it just was not going to end well. So, Jager Vigersma, 2-1, with his blue-black deck that was, uh, well, when you open a Dragon Lord, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so, round 10, we have uh Yasaoga versus Adrian Sullivan. Uh, Adrian, he got off to a very, very fast start, dealing quick six damage to, uh, Shota. Uh, Shota plays a, a war brute. Adrian, uh, swings, then reloads the board. Sullivan plays, or, yeah, Sullivan plays Dracanic Roar, revealing Lightning Shrieker. Yes, a Lightning Shrieker on camera. (laughs) Getting Shota down to one. Secure the waste for one ends up winning the game for some of them. What? Yep. Because Shoda had the removal for the one creature that was on the board and Adrian had two mana up at the end of turn and was like, okay, I waste for one. And and Shoda was like, okay, I gotta pick him up. Um he put he I think Adrian really found his own little niche uh archetype with the white red. While Shoda was on green red, but like white red's weird in this format. But but you get heavily rewarded in uh Fate Reforged a lot mm-hmm. of times. So yeah. um so Shota does get down in game two in early Colossodon uh, Yearling, which that that can hold the line. Uh, Shota starts to get big while Adrian's little creatures just can't get through. Uh, Shota goes for the kill, uh, and Adrian gets Secure of the Waste for six. And he sets up blocks. He chumps three of them. Uh, the next turn he casts Mardu Scout and Lightning Shrieker, getting Shota to one from fourteen after attacking with everything. Uh, then, uh, Adrian Sullivan morphs and unmorphs in Atarka Tarka Ifrit to end the game. Because it deals one damage when it untaps. Um, it, it, it's strange while some, uh, feel like with somewhere would feel that like Adrian Sullivan legitimately played his ass off and I, I feel that way as well I also kind of feel that showed him um kind of punted. And go watch the game. Like I got both feelings. Like I felt like Shoda gave Adrian an opening to win where but Adrian had to play it perfectly, and he did. So it was a really good game. Really really good. Okay, so round eleven, we have the number one player in the world with red black, Owen Turnwald versus Makahito Mahara. Sweet. With green white. Uh, game one, Owen gets off to a slow start, not really playing anything until turn, turn four. Then an epic confrontation kills that. Uh, Mahar continues to expand his board while Owen gets down a muck to try and help stabilize. Uh, Mahar's beast breaker keeps owen on his back foot for a few turns and then territory rock however still was in the air unchecked and mahar just uh, gets uh too far ahead while owen's deck just wasn't built to come back to be honest i mean he had like this red black you know beat down deck and yeah right. was just like okay i got big can't do nothing now Nothing till turn four really helps that it really did um yeah that's not what the red black wants to do right uh game two there was a some back-and-forth posture in early until uh Mahara casts two two-mana removal spells <laughs> against Owen. And it's oh, no. so, so far back. Um, Owen at That's one... a turn. Yeah. And Owen at one point actually never assigned trample damage <laughs> from one of his creatures because he was just trying to kill something. Like, he didn't even think, oh, crap. This 5-2 first striker now has trample as well. So, oops. Uh, Feral Cruise Shock ends up getting in a lot of damage from Mahara. Um, Mahara casts Great Teachers and attacks with, uh Lee? yeah, uh, great teachers something. It's the creatures get crazy. Yes, that's the word. I'm sorry, there was a gap there because I just heard. Um, <laughs> Owen does get an ultimate price with Owen at one. Uh, Mahar just finished him with a flyer. Mahar wins this. Two, two, zero. Awesome. Day two draft, great. I enjoyed it very much. Um, I, I did like watching you and the pros make mistakes while drafting. Because it happens to all of us and I yeah. mm-hmm. also on the flip side of that enjoyed watching a pro get rewarded. I mean, Samsung looks that was nuts. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh day two standard. We have some things to go over here and Michael. We're not
2: gonna, gonna go over the uh six O drafters?
0: Um no. Okay. Um I just good. wanted to make sure uh, you know what I could do that actually. I forgot that I actually put that in there. So let's go over the six O. Yeah, that's what I was good catch. Our six oh drafters are as follows, and there was a few good ones. Um we had oh excuse me. God damn it, why can't they just put these in one list? Steve Rubin. Steve Rubin, uh Kyle Boggums. Adrian Sullivan
1: and, and that's it. That's it. Yep. Yeah, apparently Adrian Sullivan likes red. Kyle Bogum's was on blue black both times, and uh And Steve Rubin likes green. Nice.
0: Hey, whatever works, right?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I would love to go to a Pro Tour draft and just get fed green all day. That sounds sweet. Man.
0: Yeah, I, I would take it. Um, three players, 6-0 in the draft, like that really helps. That mm-hmm. really yeah. helps push you towards the top eight. Um, But standard. Lots yes. the- here. Uh Pick it up, Mike.
2: All right, for round 12 feature match, we had Justin Cohen on the red-green bees list. Against bees! The- <laughs> against Andrew Cuneo playing blue-white control. Uh, both rated 3 at this point. Um Cohen, uh, unfortunately missed the land drop on turn 2, kept the 1 lander. Uh, th- uh, luckily for him, he's playing against, uh, control, so he didn't get punished too bad. Uh, recovered on turn 3 with the Karyatid, and then followed with the Courser, which got killed with a Valorous Dance. So he unfortunately gave Junio, you know, some time to pick up the slack, and didn't get punished. Um end of turn on turn 5, uh, his own turn, on Cohen's own end step. He cords for 1. In response to Andrew keno secure the waste for four. So, you got an Elvish Mist that can carry it out now. Hitting lands. you think Cohen's starting to, you know, kinda of come back. Well, then he tries to go for a chord for three, which gets negated. Next turn, Chandra, negated. So pretty much at this point, is turning the tables. Ashcloud gets disdainful Stroke, Xenogus gets dissolved. They play Drago for a few turns. And then, Kinio slams an Elspeth. So what does Cohen respond with? Well, he plays a hornet's nest and a storm breath dragon that attacks the Elspeth.
0: Mm-hmm. Then in the
2: second main phase, with Elspeth at one, Cohen decides to roast his hornet's nest.
0: Cause that is the best th- play in magic.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, the hostilities were then ended the very next turn.
0: (laughs) Dude, I love the idea of roasting your own nest. Cohen
2: then deploys the Courser, tries to attack, it gets Devouring Lighted, and then Cohen proceeds to scoop because Elspeth.
1: Elspeth was still in play. Yes. Oh, so sweet. Go get him, Andrew. Give me them points.
2: Uh, then we go to game two. Uh, for first three turns, it just played land go. Uh, Cohen proceeds to get stuck on three lands for quite a few turns, and then he misses another land drop. This is his theme for this round. Uh, when he finally tries to land spells, he plays a courser, gets dissolved. Uh, then Kuneo on turn five lands an Ojitai, Dragonlord Ojitai. Uh, then on turn six, the Ojitai attacks. Well, Cohen tries to respond with a rending volley to kill the Dragonlord. But Cuneo responds with a valorous stance to make it indestructible. So, Cohen goes, okay, you know what, I'll try to play this Whisperwood Elemental, which gets dissolved. Then he's like, alright, maybe Storm Breath. That gets the stroked, Stroke, and then <laughs> Ugin pluses the Bolt for the win. <laughs> yes! Cuneo wins 2-0 over Justin Cohen. Yeah, pretty much just, Cohen just could not find lands to dig him out, giving Cuneo too much time to just draw counter spells.
1: I'm kind of I'm kind of intrigued by the blue white list. I, you know, most everyone was on the blue black. I'm curious what the mm-hmm. uh, what make Inyo go blue white.
2: was curious! I was uh, kind of happy to see them secure the waste. Yeah, I think I was not like, expecting that out of it, especially I mean, main deck.
1: It's an instant kind of removal spell, which is also a uh, win condition. I, I think it's very flexible and, and powerful as well. Like it's, I mean, I'm it, assuming good, it like it really matches up well with what the mono red deck does. Mm-hmm. You know.
2: I mean, I was surprised to see it main deck. I mean, it was probably only a one of, but still normally you see cards like that have control sideboards.
1: Yeah. I mean, I could even see it as a two or three of, like back Mm -hmm. in the day, there was this card, uh, decree of justice, which was like, you never cast it for the mana cost to make four four for You
2: always cycled it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's an EDH card too. So of course, Mm -hmm. but like, yeah, you know, that's, that's what I thought of whenever I saw secure the waste. So cool.
2: And then, in round 13, we have Joel Larson on Red Green Dragons against Rick Lee on Obs on Aggro. Both players were 9-3. and three.
0: But nobody's as dreamy as Joel Larson. Joel
1: Larson's hair nope.
0: is perfect. Oh, he's so dreamy. Swedish Brian
2: And Swedish.
0: <laughs> that makes him better than Brian Kilber. It's in his dreaminess, because he's Swedish.
2: I mean, he is playing dragons like Brian Kilber so well,
0: probably yeah. also better at hockey.
2: Probably. <laughs> Maybe.
0: I mean, the Swedish style is really weird.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah, magic. Go, Mike. <laughs> Alright.
2: So they both uh start turn one off with the tap land, and then turn two, uh Larson lands an elvish mystic, and Rick Lee lands a Warden of the First Tree. Uh turn three for Rick Lee, he goes Anafenza, the con, which then proceeds to get roasted. Oh. Uh so what does Rick Lee follow up with? Well a death mist uh death so, okay, now it's back on, uh, Farson. They're throwing punches at this point. He plays a Xenagos to plus one into Draconic Roar to kill the raptor, revealing his Stormbreath Dragon. So they're going toe-to-toe at this point. Then, there's a Whisperwood played by Rick Lee. Alright, so, what is Joel's response? Xenagos plusing to make Stormbreath plus Elvish Mystic. Not the best response, but not the worst. Uh, then on turn six, uh, the Warden of the First Tree and the Whisperwood come in to attack. The Mystic blocks the Whispered Elemental, the Warden gets leveled up to make a 3-3, and then the Dragon gets downfalled. So, it's back to Joel Larson to uh, respond. He responds with the Creator's Claws on the uh, Whispered Elemental and making a Seder passing turn. Then, Rick Lee goes att- and attacks with his two Manifests that he got from the Whisperwood and the Warden to kill Xenegos off. then plays another Whisperwood Elemental. Larson untaps and pre- proceeds to scoop up his cards. Game two. They play Lango for three turns until Rick Lee lands in Anafenza. Larson then proceeds to play a Thunderbreak Region. you know, try to go over the top, get bigger. Uh, Lee proceeds to offer the tray with Anafenza, which is denied, and then plays AC Drino. Mmm. So Larson tries to shield up at this point, plays a Stormbreath Dragon on defense, and does not attack with either dragon. However, Rick Lee does not uh, care about these shields, and attacks with both creatures, allowing his inoffensive to get eaten by the Stormbreath, and then plays a Whisperwood. On turn 6, Larson proceeds to roast the Whisperwood, still does not attack, and then Draconic Roars the Manifests, and then plays an Elvish Mystic. Then Rick, at this point, puts the brakes on, doesn't attack, plays a Fleeceman Lion, and a Deathmiss Raptor, passes back. Larson responds with a second Stormbreath Dragon, attacking with one. You know, so, okay, table's turning in Larson's favor. So Rick Lee decides to, uh, you know, seeing as there's two Stormbreath Dragons, feels like he's behind, just sends up, sends the team in. Mystic blocks the Raptor, Regent blocks the Lion, Stormbreath Dragon blocks the Rhino, Lion attempts to get Monstrous, but gets killed with Draconic Roar, and at that point, Lee scoops. So, we're on to a game three. The first two games pretty exciting, trading back and forth, you know, action. So Yol lands a turn two Carroted and a turn three Corser, which then dives to Alpha the price. Turn four, Rick's not as uh fast side of the gate, but he does land Siroc the Hunt Caller on turn four. Well, Larson one-ups him with a turn four storm breath that's attacking him in the face. So Rick has to main phase a hero's downfall the next turn, attacking for five with Sargon. Or Sirach. So Yol replaces his dragon with a Thunderbreak Regent, and then Rick Lee proceeds to play Anafenza, and then attack with uh both the Siroc and an because he gave the offense haste it's formidable. Regent blocks the An trading. Yol is at a, pretty much out of gas at this point. He plays an elvish mystic past turn. Rick proceeds to stay on the offense, attacking with the Ciroc. Uh The elf trump blocks. westward comes down main phase two, and the manifest gets draconic roared. Not many two turns left. uh Yol finds a courser off the top. Plays Haven of the Spirit Dragon. Well, unfortunately that's not good enough because Rick untaps, plays Dromoka's command to put a counter on the wristwood and force uh Yol to sacrifice that courser. And then the scoop was prompted with the attack. Wow. So much
1: grind. <laughs> <laughs> yep. What round yeah,
2: was that? that? That was round 13. It was actually a fun game watching, cause like they're just throwing back and forth, back and forth, back yeah, and
1: forth. I noticed a lot of haymaker magic like, but it was pretty balanced too, like just crazy big shenanigans that is equaled by insanity
2: from the other deck as well. You had de- you had fat creatures against fat creatures with some removal thrown in there. Mm-hmm. What more can someone ask for? There's no counterspells, you know, there was a That was race, actually what I was gonna ask for. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, moving on to round fourteen, we have Paulo Viter Domadaroza on blue black control, splashing white for Ojitai, against Sam Black, who is playing Red Green Bees. Bees Both players on ten and three. Pretty slow game. Sam lands a turn two carry PV's just, you know, doing the typical blue black lands pass. Uh Sam lands a turn three courser, which unfortunately gets Solomar sworn. Sam As for Force Spike. For four spike because Sam missed land drop that turn.
1: Oh, that's so sad.
2: So Sam tries to play another Courser that next turn. It gets dissolved. Meanwhile, PV's just land going him the whole time. Uh, so Sam finally hits, gets the four, a third land, tries to jam the Chandra, resolves, flossing to find that additional land, hits a Xenagos, and then Chandra falls out. Yeah, poor Chandra.
0: She's skinning her knee and shit. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so PV proceeds to untap, play Dragonlord Ojitai, and pass the turn. So Sam's response was a Whisperwood Elemental. doesn't really stop a 5-4 flying dragon. Which then sure? hits Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It hits Sam Black in the face in that turn, and it finds a dig through time. Then uh PV goes, hey, that Whisperwood, I'm going to alter price that. No more value. So Sam untaps, plays a land and a Hornet's Nest, passes the turn with uh PV, end of turning, dig for Solumgar, for Solumgar Drifting Death and Solumgar's Scorn. Oh. Yep. So he untaps, attacks with ojitai Sam proceeds to attempt to use the testing Tactics as Manifest. Uh, which the Manifest gets downfalled because, well, he it doesn't should. want uh, to have bees. Yeah, it should. <laughs> <laughs> and then when Ojutai connects, he finds a land for PB to play that turn. Sam untaps, tries to play Pelucanos, which gets Slumguard Scorned, and then roasts his own Hornet Nest. Well, oh. you know, that, that seems good. That's but, uh, the play.
0: Drifting Death,
2: man. PB untaps, plays Slumguard Drifting Death. Surprisingly doesn't attack his turn, uh, but Sam just scoops when he untaps, so. though. Yeah, I was surprised to not see the City attack because the Ojutai would trigger the Slumgar, but uh, kind of unnecessary.
0: Yeah, crazy. Dragons! Dragons and <laughs> dragons and dragons. <laughs> dragons! Uh, kill I man. mean,
2: they had a dragon count between rounds, so, you know, it's yeah. at some oh, I,
1: I even saw the final dragon count. It was twice what I ever imagined it would
2: be. What was the final count? I Are cannot serious.
1: tell you. It's a spoiler.
2: It That's for the hundred, end of the show, wait. dude. It was 114. Time to hurry through these rounds. Okay, we're done. <laughs> no. <laughs> Game two. Uh, PV Sam plays land pass. PV opens up with the Thoughtseize, seeing Sam's hand of Forest, rending volley, wooded foothills, Whisperwood Elemental, Sylvan Carroted, and scuttling Doom Engine. Doom Ooh. Engine. Glad the to see his, is a pro play. The, the character gets taken by the Thoughtseize, and then uh Sam plays his land, passes, drawing another Whisperwood Elemental. Uh. They just play Lango for a little while. Uh then Sam gets stuck on three lands, so he has to morph an Ashwalk Phoenix, which gets bio blighted. Mm. Uh PV just lands passing, Chandra gets played, but Lumgar scoring four spiked. PV on tap plays Ojutai. His friend here, turn five Ojutai. <sharp inhale> Sam just has to keep passing the turn. Turn six. PV plays Slumgar Drifting Death.
0: Tell me the other guy picks up the cards at this point.
2: No, Sam tries to fight back with the Whisperwood Elemental. Both dragons That can fight. That can- yeah killing, yeah. killing the manifest. And Ojutai finding- Oh yeah, two dragons. <laughs> no, he's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ojutai finds Dragonlord Alumgar on the attack. Plays the Dragon Three Lord, dragons? Come on. And a the Whisperwood Elemental. Goes to steal the Whisperwood, but Sam smartly sacks it in response.
0: Her <laughs> sacks. <laughs>
2: So Sam untaps, rending, volleys the Ojitai and plays a worst elemental. So one dragon down, two to go. All
1: right. <laughs> well, both of
2: them have uh, hexproof, too. <laughs> yep, they're both free power. So both dragons attack, hitting Sam down to four. Then he plays Crux on Han dragons. And then Sam on and oops, PV winning 2-0 over Sam Black. Yeah, that's, that's
1: a pretty, pretty sweet matchup. Yep. We that. that was an
2: aggressive uh control deck. He had the aggressive draw. Yeah, he played... I, I mean, five dragon, six dragon, turn seven or eight, you're dead.
1: Tap out control mm-hmm. uh-huh. But uh, I mean In the match that I uh, Record You know Did his also He played a turn 5 Ojutai. That seemed to be A theme of his So if you're one of those guys Playing the blue black Ojutai list uh, Think mm-hmm. about Think about running them Out there early You know He Oh yeah Like it's kind early. of free
2: Because your opponent's Not going to be able to kill Unless they have a wrath On turn 5 yeah he, he blocks fairly
1: well that turn also
2: safe and then even if they overload the board of creatures you can always untap Crux non dragons exactly and essentially yeah, the your fact turn that, five was actually a good turn five
1: yeah the fact that crux is uh, actually just a death wind or a plague wind rather uh, is pretty good <laughs>
0: Yeah, kill all your shit, I'll keep mine.
2: No, I'll keep mine, dog.
0: <laughs>
2: Sweet. Uh, round fifteen. This was a long one. My hand was very upset with all these <laughs> <weakness>. stuff. <laughs> it was Adrian Sullivan on Esper Control oh, against boy. Eric Rolick playing Jess Tokens. They were both playing a win and in, with Adrian at 11, 2, and one and Efro at eleven and three. So for the first uh three turns they're playing Van go.
0: Adrian but, was on blue black Control. I thought. Yeah, blue black. He said Esper.
2: Was he just on blue-black? Yeah, just blue-black. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't even think him. he had the Oja Ties. Yeah. Because I saw him with the uh, Temple of enlightenment so... Yeah, I mean, that's just a
1: scry.
0: Yeah, okay. he also had uh, a green one as well. Yeah, the...
2: Uh, yeah, task, yeah,
0: Yeah, just so he could, you know, do things. The three, the <laughs> Tri-Land. Yep. Correction, Adrian awesome. Sullivan awesome. on awesome.
2: blue-black control for yep. choice Skylands. Yes. Yeah. Nice. All right, so Adrian's 11, 2, and 1, Efros 11, and 3, both on the winner in. So, for the first two and a half, three turns, they play land go, with Eric landing an ascendancy on turn three. Well, they both play land go for another turn, and Adrian passes turn, Ephra fetching, and raising the alarm at the end of Eric's turn. Or, Adrian's turn. <coughs> Sorry about that one. Eric then tries to play ascendancy number two, which gets uh dissolved, and then attacks for four, but the soldiers get Biobladed. So, Adrian oh no. putting up a defense, even though it's a slow game, but that's right up his alley. So on turn six, he passes turn Adrian passes turn again, with Eric raising the alarm at end of turn. And what That's happens the before pattern. untap? What happens before the untap? Well would they take a guess? Yeah, you are correct, sir. Yes <laughs> uh, and then Eric untaps cast uh treasure cruise, which gets dissolved. And then he plays Dragon Fodder, not choosing to loot and pass turn. Adrian, not having any more shenanigans, drowns those uh pesky goblins and passes turn. <laughs> so Eric sad. then, Eric then draws pass with Addictor time coming at his end of turn, which gets Disdainful Stroked. So it's a slow game. They just keep going land pass. Uh, Eric tries to play the final ascendancy in his deck after one looting away and one getting countered. That one resolves. Uh, ditching a Valorous Hands passing turn. So Adrian untaps, plays a Perilous Vault, oh, which is no. kinda, kinda good against that, uh, those ascendancies. Uh huh. So Eric untaps, stokes Adrian, goes to Treasure Cruise, milling two, Treasure Cruise resolves, and he casts Dragon Fodder. Adrian untaps, activates the vault, getting rid of those two goblins and those ascendancies.
0: Get out of here, goblins. Go away.
2: And if you're keeping track of the ascendancy count, that's all four. So Uh Eric just has dinky one-ones essentially to win this game with.
0: Well, a one-one if it hits you twenty times, you die.
2: I mean, yeah. But against blue-black, blue-black deck,
0: if the blue-black deck did not have
1: access to Bio-Blight, those one-one tokens yeah. would be the biggest in the
0: ass ever. <laughs> oh, I know, man. <laughs> oh. Between Bio-Blight and Drown and Sorrow, like, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's bad. so.
2: They just proceed to play draw go with uh, Eric just drawing a bunch of lands. Adrian finally landing a second Perilous Vault. At this point, it's pretty much over. Eric tries to cruise, that gets countered. Uh Roundmaster resolves, but it gets silenced to believers before it can make a goblin. More draw go until Adrian lands a Liliana, plussing up to eight before uh tutoring for an asiak And this is turn nineteen. And then finally Eric Frog scoops when Adrian lands an Ugin. Nineteen turns.
1: That's awesome.
0: Well, he didn't have a yep. threat on the board.
1: You haven't demonstrated a way to kill me yet. Yeah, do that. Oh, that's okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, Alright, right. I'm dead.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was hoping he would concede when Liliana came down three turns prior, but apparently not. Yeah, but Liliana can't kill you. She tutors out anything in the deck. And if she your opponent's go, blue black, there's there's an Ugin in there. Yeah,
0: she can go get you what's gonna kill you, but she can't actually do it herself. I need to see the Ugin. Yep, show it to me. And
2: he yeah, he had the Ugin in hand, and Aeshock actually would have been a legitimate clock with how much drawing and looting er did through that game. So
1: Sullivan Sullivan's not on Asylum's Guard's scoring list then. No. Uh, his I do not believe out.
0: so. <laughs> he is on an Adrian Sullivan list. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, like
1: this is the list that he's just been playing forever. He didn't he didn't do the uh the update, he just played the one he was like, comfortable
2: with. Zero dragons in the main deck. Ah, take that. The main deck. Then we we'll move on to game two. This one's much shorter. You know, land go for the first two turns. Turn three rabble master, attacking for one, turn four, land attack for six, turn five, second rabble master, hit for ten, sweet. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. I like it. Moving on to game three. Land go again for three turns. Adrian passes, raises the alarm end of his fourth turn. Wild blight before Eric gets untapped. Eric tries to jam a Narset. That gets countered. And then Eric tries to jam an Ojutai the following turn. That gets countered. More land go, drawing cards, blah blah blah. You know, typical blue black stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the good it, stuff. It,
0: it, you just yep. sound so disdainful about blue stuff. I
1: know it's so great. <laughs> it's so embrace
0: funny. the dark side. A funny young part, Roderick.
1: A
2: Funny part, Lake Control standard right now, but not blue black or blue white or oh, Esper.
1: Well, let but, uh, your hate consume you.
2: <laughs> it was just a slow game. Eric, with his tokens deck, was just like not drawing the quickness that the deck is known for, which he's kind of playing into the control hand at this point. So it's kind of a, a losing battle, but. Adrian jams a Perilous Vault.
1: If, if you play fast and he has the correct answers, like, yeah. then you play, then, you know,
0: you, you eliminate all, all your chances immediately.
2: Yeah, but your win percentage is probably higher in a shorter game than a longer game.
0: It is. You, you don't want to go long against the blue-black deck if you can help it.
2: Adrian jams a Perilous Vault. Eric raises the alarm and tries to get in for some damage. He does have an Ascendancy out, so that's going for him. He stokes, untaps his soldiers, attacks the four, and on Eric's next upkeep, Adrian pops a vault. And Eric, at this point, all he can do is land pass. Adrian then passes, and uh, Eric is actually anticipating. Finds a treasure cruise on the untap. He plays the rabble master, resolves, tax for one, plays treasure cruise, gets the Stainful Stroke, all right. which is counter in his hand. So the rabble master was a bait spell, which couldn't actually be live bait for the counter spell. So Adrian digs, finding the gate and Tasiger at the end of that turn. Untap, drowns the goblins, plays a gain, land, and passes. Ad- Eric, at this point, he's drawing lands, passes Terran. Adrian jams Tastiger, and it's, from this point, it's draw, go. Tastiger takes control of the game. Double Stoke tries to take out the Tastiger, but the second one gets negated, and Eric Oops. Adrian Sullivan, winning two games to one, and into the top eight.
0: Yay. Exciting. <laughs> it is. <Ooh.
2: laughs> <sighs> Watch you, that was... I-, I felt bad for Eric, because, like, The token, he just kept drawing lands in Game 3. He had 6 or 7 in play. He ended the game with 8 or 9 in play and 4 in hand.
1: That's a bummer. I swear you want that Jeskai Ascendancy to filter out all them lands.
2: (laughs) He was until the vault got rid of that, so...
1: That's why we play the game.
2: (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I actually liked Adrian Sullivan's list because, like, it has access to the Perilous Vault, which... Some yeah, of the it's dragon harder decks. To
1: run that with the dragons list, for sure. Yeah. Especially when you're, like, because trying to actively cast a turn 5 Ojutai or Icefall region. The definitely...
2: dragons can't really fight an Ugin that is above 5, and meanwhile, Parasfall can just answer Ugin. Ugin can't get rid of the vault.
1: I prefer the blue-black, but the new Silumgar, Dragonlord dragon
0: Yeah, that guy, he's pretty okay against Ugin. Yeah, yeah, he sure is. Let me have that. Damn.
1: <laughs> <coughs> I got this again. I got. I this remember the days U-gin.
2: of those conscripts altering their planeswalker. I did it with a Tamio emblem against my opponent. He was salty. I
0: can oh. imagine. That's a good <laughs> emblem.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is. now I can't play with it. I'm gonna take yours.
0: Alright, um, where are we? What round? Round 16, Sweet. final round of standards.
2: Final round before top 8. We have Shota Yasaoka playing blue-black control Ooh, versus baby. Seth Manfield playing Atarka Ovzon.
0: Come on, Seth! Come on, Shota, just because he's Shota. Shota's <laughs>
1: awesome, and I love him more as a player, but I picked Seth. He's on my team. So. There's nobody. Yeah,
2: Will, he has your he has your blue-black list that you're liking. I know, dude, I know. I'd like
1: it, and it's Shota's blue-black list.
0: Yeah. It's Shota's, it's like, Shota's the man. Shota tests with nobody. He just shows up at Pro Tours with, like, good decks, and yeah. I realistically... I mean, when
2: you're, you're good at magic, you, get, you can get away with that sometimes.
0: Realistically, there's very few players that I would sit down across and literally just be afraid. Like, yeah. just go, I have a 1% chance of winning this game, and Shoda is one of those. <laughs> Dude is so good.
2: <laughs> Alright, All so to start call, things so. off, it's a slow game. Turn 2, Manfield Pot Seizes, seeing 2 dissolve, a Curse of Fate, Ultimate Price, and 3 lands, takes one of the counter spells. But the unfortunate part for Seth, he misses the next three land drops, allowing Shota to, to cast Jesus Ingenuity, drawing more cards, getting more advantage. Seth misses another land, hits the turn later, but Shota's already on eight lands by the time Seth, Seth gets a three. So, pretty much, you can probably guess where this, this, uh, game's going.
1: Well, was it a triumphant comeback? Uh, well, I he gets
2: Shota? He
1: oh, yeah, also trying
2: right. <laughs> draw two, <Awesome laughs> charm to draw two, played a courser, which died to ultimate price, but it did find a land. Hey. So he's on four lands versus, you know, Shota's Eight. nine. Oh. Nine. Yep, Seth was on the play for this one.
0: Shota has nine lands? This game's over. This game's over. this game's over. So
2: Shota untaps, Thought Seizes Seed, uh Sidisi Undead Vizier, Siege Rhino, Hero's Downfall, Murderous Cut, and two lands Not that he drew off the Obzon Charm. Ha. Huh. Yep, and the downfall gets taken. Then he follows that up with an Ugin, bolting Seth in the face.
1: (laughs) Wait a minute, I don't want you to kill my planeswalker, hang on.
2: (laughs) Let me take that first, then bolt you. Seth tries to battle back with the Tassiger... So what does Shota do when he sees Tasker? Ignore it, bolt Seth in the face, kill Tasker with ultimate and in response to the activation from Tasker. Because at this point, Seth's only card in graveyard was that hero's downfall. So Shota wisely waiting for the activation of Tasker before killing him. So
1: it. you could give him Tasker task again?
2: Nope, he milled two lands, he oh, milled he... a courser carry he got the right. carry There we go. But Shota chose the right spot to do it. Because if he had done it before the activation and Seth hit two lands, he got a downfall to kill Ugin.
0: You know, there's a so, th- there's a really funny thing about uh, Shota. When you watch him play, you'll go, Ooh, no, 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 man, no. And it all turns out that if he played it the way you wanted to play it, he would have lost.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so Seth courageously tries to battle back with Siege Rhino. Shota doesn't care. He ultimates yeah. Ugin, draws seven, puts five permits into play, gains seven life, and then goes to plot Cs Well, Seth does not want to get a, give up any more information and calls it quits.
1: I'll let you Ultimate Ugin, but I will not let you Thoughtseize. Right?
0: (laughs) I mean, I'll let you get more information about his deck. Wait, wait, wait. You said Ultimate Ugin? Yeah, I'm just picking my cards up. Yeah, Yeah. no, I believe it. Wait until the Thoughtseize.
2: He thought he still had a chance.
1: Well, I'm I'm fishing information at him, you know?
2: Yeah, even though you don't see those cards. I mean, if you're fishing information, let him discard the hand size.
0: Yeah, I suppose. I don't know.
2: But, uh, game two. Seth is on the play once again, plays a Seder Wayfinder in turn two, milling over a Citadel Sea C- a Sansep Citadel, Windswept Heath, C Drano, and Utter End taking the fetch land. Shota's just, you know, slow, blue, black, land go. Gets hit for one from the carry from the Wayfinder. There's a Corser that gets land that uh Seth plays Land go from Shota. Gets hit for three. Land pass. End of turn kills Corser. Unfortunately for uh, Shota, he misses his fourth land drop. So Seth tries to capitalize on this by playing a Thoughtseize, seeing Dissolve, Disdainful Stroke, two Jace's Ingenuity, Dragonlord's Prerogative, Dig Through Time, and a Thoughtseize.
1: <laughs> so Seth takes All the Dissolve. Of it. Oh yeah, definitely take the Dissolve, dude. For Took sure. Take the Dissolve,
2: attack for one for value. So Shota untaps, uses that Thoughtseize he kept seeing Ugin, Elspeth, Whip of Erebos, and a land. Takes the Whip. Yeah, I think we have to. Passes the turn. Okay. Seth attacks for one. Plays a six-land, jams Elspeth, gets the sample stroke like he knew it would have. Shota misses another land, passes. But luckily, he drew a gate for Cess follow up Elspeth, which got negated. Don't tell him I drew a gate. <laughs> hey, he attacked for one with that wave hunter. It's going the distance.
1: Going the distance. Seriously. It's,
2: it's not like seven like at least five or six points damage at this point. Oh, so, man. Shota untaps, has to dig through time, finding two lands. Game over. <laughs> 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 Shota dig
0: through time, it's over. <laughs>
2: <laughs> With two Jace's Ingenuity and a Dragon Lord's Brock is still in hand. It's so, that Wayfinder's still trying to go the distance. So, Seth had a chance to jam Ugin if he drew that land. He drew a temple. So, he's got to wait lead. a little bit longer that's on a that good. Ugin.
1: Yeah, that's a good. That's a land.
2: Problem. Shota plays that other land he got, passes... Seth, getting in once more with that Wayfinder. He will get there. I swear it. Plays the Siege Rhino. <laughs> and then Shota proceeds to draw three cards at end of turn with Jace's Ingenuity. So, Shota goes, okay, you have a Rhino, whatever Wayfinder, he'll go, he won't go the distance. Proceeds to murderous cut that Rhino. Yeah, so Seth goes, you know what? Wayfinder's still gonna get there. Attack for one, play Ugin. Gets countered with Disdainful Stroke. So then at this point, Shota's like, okay, your Wayfinder's done enough. I'm going to play the Slone Guard Drifting Death now. So Manfield tries to battle back with Siege Rhino and a Karyatid. Not going to do it. Shota attacks. Plays Dragonlord, stealing the Rhino. Gets hit for 10. Manfield tries to battle back to Narba Colossus, which, uh, at the end turn, Fouts on the Vacation, forcing the to set Karyatid. So, you know, Seth still has a chance, right? Well, the Icefall Regent that's in Shota's hand taps it down the game. And that, ladies and gentlemen, Shota Yasaoka wins 2-0 over Seth Manfield, winning his match and getting into the top eight.
0: Yay! Sure. That's
1: so sick. That's his first individual top eight. It, it, it is. Uh, yeah. This guy has had phenomenal Grand Prix success, but this is awesome. Such a breakthrough, and with such a show to deck.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll give all the stats here in a minute on what he's actually done. Um,
2: speaking of you stats... Do you want the standard metagame breakdown?
0: I was going to move into the standard metagame breakdown. Uh, I like the way they broke this down. You find out exactly what the percentage is that made the cut for Day 2. Yeah. Um, notably... Of all the decks that had five or more, Chromantha Flayer was the only 100% deck. <laughs> yeah,
1: Awesome. That deck was real. It's a real deck. It got all five players in the day 2. It
0: did. It, I can't argue that. Um the yeah. blue black deck also had a really really yeah. good version right. Now. Blue black control.
2: The on had all four get in for day 2.
0: Yeah, but that that was only four. Yeah. Um one less. <clears throat> it is, but five's legit. Uh 11% of the field day 2 was the blue black where 90% of the people, 90.6% of the people playing it made day 2. So I think that's the right control. Yeah. All uh, the oh, Yep. Uh, Red Aggro in all of its variants. Uh 66% of those made it to Day 2, and there was 31, but that was 11.9%. And Obzan also posted 10% of the second day's field with 65.9% of those players making it in. So DC Whip had a really good conversion rate of 84%. Obzan Control, 71%. Um, <laughs> so, I mean... There were some good things. Green devotion with red. That's a target devotion. Seventy three percent of those people made it in. Uh, Abzan mid range because there wasn't enough Abzan sixty eight percent. It's just yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: Yep. Cool though. I mean i I like the format a lot. I think it's uh I think it's really well developed.
0: Right, right. Um mm-hmm. so do we want to go over the decks that got twenty four to twenty seven just say what they are. We don't need to go over individual cards in these, I don't think. Um Unless there are lists that we are not going to see in the top 8 and maybe. So, uh, let's see, Abzan. That uh, and on
1: notably notably Brad Nelson went nine and yeah.
0: one yeah. Josh Utterlake went nine and one.
2: Oh, oh did, were those two on my team
0: um oh. I
2: don't know who did you pick for your team like did
0: you pick those two guys I, yeah we'll go I did this in a minute um, <laughs> um, so I mean there's a lot of lists here that, that are worth looking over some cool cards there's like some blue blacks some obs on some red uh.
1: Yeah. One of the bees decks did go 8 and 2.
0: It did. One of them yeah. did. S- um, Sam Black, killing us. So, cool, cool. Be- bees are scary. Yeah,
1: yeah Guillaume tapa went 8 and 2 in standard. Uh, PV went 8 and 2 in standard.
0: That's pretty sweet. It, he All good did, players. He did. Yay! Um, but, guys, at the end of day two, we are left with the top eight consisting of and here's how the bracket will break down for our Sunday coverage. And it's first player in was Andrzej Strosky or Andrzej. 19 year old kid, uh, he lives actually with Stanislav Sivka, so <laughs> Oh, really? Yes. Oh, man. Uh, ah, it's like the Padawan. Right? Uh, he has two Pro Tour top eights. He has zero GP top eights. Um, he went eight, one and one in standard and went five and one in booster. That's how he made his way there. Yeah. Um So then he gets to go up against the number eight seed, Andrew Oschwager. And this is uh, Andrew Oschwager's first PG top eight. He does have a GP top eight. His standard broke down to six, one, and two. And his draft portion went five and one our number five seed was Shota Yasaoka. Okay. Names here. All right. Okay. So just to start here, this is only his second PT top eight. His first one came when he won PT Charleston. And if you listened, how many weeks was that? About six weeks ago, Will? I don't even think it was. I don't know. I don't think it was that long. A couple weeks ago. A few weeks ago, Will told a story about, uh, PT Charleston and, you know, where he got to play with Kaji and Saito. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pretty cool. (laughs) On one team and they took it down. He's also, uh, he has 18 GP top 8s. 18, 18. One of the best,
1: like, one of the first real GP grinders. Yes. 300-plus uh, pro points, like, killing it, dude. Um,
0: actually, uh... With him making Top 8, he cracked 400 lifetime Pro Tour <laughs> yeah. po- points, so, uh, okay? <laughs> so, like, this dude now has his second PT. He has 400 Pro points. It's time to put him in the Hall of Fame.
1: Well, I mean, if you, there's a, the, kind of the number is, like, three Pro Tour Top 8s.
0: 400. If you talk, no, no, I know. And, and, and,
1: and not only that, but, like, you argue what a pillar of the Magic community, the
0: Japanese Magic community, the deck building
1: community. Like, this guy is advanced Magic. He's the man.
0: Yeah, he does have a 1 GP victory and that came at Kobe in 2011. Cool. His oh, record cool. for the day broke down the standard 7-2 and 1. His draft was 5 and 1 and we talked about the one that he lost. So, uh yeah, he's uh He's to I will say that, you know, he might only have two pro tour top eights, but he has seven pro tour top 16s. That's a lot. Mm. Like, why is this dude not in the hall of fame? I hope he gets in next year. Cause yeah. I think he he people
2: don't look at top 16s. When I they think, I for... think,
0: I think he will. Yeah. yeah I, th- I, think the time. I, I think the second top eight plus mm-hmm. the points because already he was at like 370 points. Like he should have been in at 370 yes. some points and now he's, you know, up over 400. I'm sorry. you. That's just this a team. huge number. Yes. And he goes up against. He's going to get to go up against the number four seed, Jason Chung, who, this is his first Pro Tour Top 8. Uh, he has two GP Top 8s. They both came in the Australian.
1: <laughs>
0: he got there by going 7-2-1 and one in Standard and 5-1 and in Draft.
1: Didn't Jason Chung just Top 8, the, the last Australian GP? Yes, he is.
0: What in the holy hell is that?
1: Okay. Just a heads up there, there's probably a mute button.
0: <laughs> okay, so, uh, the, the bottom side of the bracket breaks down as such. Martin Dang, he is the number three seed. And Martin Dang, this is his first, he has one GP and one PT top eight. Uh, his standard for the, for the tournament was seven, one, and two. His draft was five and one uh marco camaluzzi is the sixth seed and that is who will be playing mark Dank, and he has three gp top eights but only one pro tour top eight there's a lot of new pro tour top eights in this mm-hmm. uh his standard portion went seven one and two and his draft very similarly went five and one
1: yeah go five and one and draft at the pro tour that's the key mm-hmm.
0: it seems to be it actually, actually. Is. Um, hmm. so and then our last players in the top eight is the number seven seed tomas Hendricks. Who, this is his first gP his first Pro to tour top eight he has one GP top eight he went seven two and one in standard and five one <sighs> in draft no shit yes bounce um, six out draft right and Adrian Sullivan he is the number 2 seed in this. Uh he has one pro tour top 8. That's this one. He has two GP top 8s. The last one was 15 years ago.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's been around a long time though. Yeah. Um he's he's a, you know a very prolific writer. He's always really understood magic very well.
0: Yeah, he was a commentator for a while with SCG. Uh um, yeah. the, the man knows magic, but his top 8s for the GPs literally came 15 years apart. Yeah. He's always been a pillar, especially in the Madison Wisconsin scene.
1: I guess he's been uh you know since he joined this new team that he's on um they uh they've been doing a lot more boot camps and taking playing a lot more seriously so. Yeah,
0: I know Bob Marr said that Adrian was telling him what he was doing wrong. Yeah, wow. <laughs> that says something, right? Uh but Adrian uh, he he got there by going 6-2 and 2 in standard and he just didn't lose in draft.
1: Well, okay, I guess you can 6 out draft.
0: Yes, uh Kyle Bogums, he 6 out his draft and he finished in ninth place for guys. <laughs> i
2: think it was because he id'd id'd and then something happened in the last round that someone leapfrogged him in yeah sucks
0: it does Mm -hmm. uh so we do have a little bit of shenanigans that we have to talk about in day two
2: Mm. i called it shenanigans
0: uh Stefan speck What'd he do? He's so mad. He got dq for it. I mean, just look, he cheated. There's no way
2: to say anything else. He doesn't like to play fair magic. What can I say?
0: Um, he he said it himself. He took seven cards and he palmed them. And then he handed 53 to his opponent and said, here, shuffle that. And then he tried to draw his seven cards, but they were the seven cards in his hand. And, you know, the judges, when they inspected this situation, said, hey, wait a second, you ain't allowed to do that.
1: And the seven <laughs> cards were revealed to be a plausible opening hand.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a plausible also known as a god hand (laughs) yeah magical hey there
2: was no horn queen under that pad
0: yeah well there was players in the past who watched him run like uh oh fuck the modern deck he was running was uh amulet Amulet. and people were watching him pro players watching him going he's terrible with this deck how the hell is he winning (laughs) well turns out that when you can pick your seven cards to start with your win rate is going to go up even if you're stuck with a deck so, so this is a guy, this, this result, I suspect a suspension will be following. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's pretty high level scumbaggery. <laughs> yes, this is, I mean, Zani he got it for arguing with a judge or whatever, and you know, he'll probably weasel his way back into it and won't get a DQ, de- or won't get suspended. This will be following a suspension, I can almost guarantee that. Um guys, stop cheating. Stop Please cheating at ProTours, stop cheating everywhere. Yeah. So, shitty, 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 shitty people. it's a diverse community. Not everybody is good. That's why we have judges. So, Okay, so uh Will the new kid kicked our ass in the draft, dude? Wait, what, I was know, what I was
1: Really, I was really hoping for three and zero. I I thought, you know, in the draft thing, I thought my uh, I thought my picks were pretty good, and I thought they, you know, I thought my team did pretty well. I just happened to run into a godly force of Pickery.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, it, I, Angela, what was it that you said? You last heard me, when we
2: did the draft. It's only you versus Will that I didn't. Shoot, yeah,
0: totally. total
2: What was that? <laughs>
0: ah, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> uh, it turns out that. uh standard specialist for a standard pro tour is... Yeah. yeah. I really just expected Brad Nelson to just, like, oh six the draft, though. <laughs> he was
2: actually playing for gold. He actually yeah. got gold by going 5-1 and one, yeah. uh, on day two.
0: I mean, like, I, it started out well. Like, I've been block at the end of day one for me was in, mm-hmm. like, fourth place. And yeah. I'm like, fuck, yeah. But, okay, my picks, uh because I finished the worst. I had 12 points. That is the bare minimum.
2: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yuki
0: Ichikawa finished 202nd. Uh, he had 21 match points, which gives me a pro point. Total of three. Willie really, Edel uh finished like one forty seventh. And he had 25 match points. Unfortunately, that is not 28, so he gives me three. Ivan the Flock, 95th. He finished with 27 match points.
1: Oh, Again, my goodness.
0: Not 28, so that's three. And Matt Sperling went 180th with 22 match points. Uh, That gave me three. Not, Dragons. Uh, <laughs> it's strange. Like, I mean, I'm not completely disappointed with that. Because it wasn't like I picked somebody that went, who got six match You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they were all kind of on the cusp of, getting more points but nah. now so that gave me a grand total of 12 if you're following at home i lost the worst that means i get to pick first next time
2: yes, that's correct he yes. threw it on purpose
0: yes uh so will trying to get the connor connor david lottery right uh Will he uh started off choosing his his anchor yeah, buddy. Stanislav. Stanislav Sivka, uh, he finished one hundred and fifty second with mm. twenty four match points giving Will three. Uh then Will stole one of my players, Lee <laughs> Tian, who finished hundred and seventh with twenty one points and got three points. Uh then mm. Andrew Cunio. Finished forty fifth with thirty one match points. That got you seven, Will.
1: I wish he was on the blue black list.
0: So I that's kind of what I how I feel about Ivan Vlock. Like if he was yeah. on blue black, I felt like he'd done so much better. I totally concur. Um, so that you're up to thirteen. So you Good. just passed me, and you got one uh-huh. player left. And he was uh, we talked about him in the last round of standard. Yeah, and he was the pick. He was your extra pick, the pick that we almost didn't get. Yeah. Um. Anyway, he finished sixteenth. Seth Mansfield, thirty four points. 34 match points. He gets you 11 pro points, finishing you with a grand total of 24, 24 points. 24, yeah. Okay, so um,
2: hey, hey, hey Will, you, guess who? Uh, guess who beat Seth Mansfield in the final round?
0: Uh, who beat Seth
1: Mansfield in the final round?
2: Joshutter Layton. Oh, I was rooting for that match more than the actual future match. <laughs> 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 okay,
0: so um now one of Mike's picks was uh, Josh Otter Layton he had 36 points finishing him 11th place giving uh, Mike so 15 pro points. So close. Brad Nelson, he yeah, yeah. finished 14th. He had 36 match points, uh, giving, uh, Mike another 15 pro points. So we, we're Ooh. done right now. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Killed it. He is still it is. It doesn't really matter. Uh, um, were those your, were those your three and four picks, Mike? No, that was his two Those are league. two and three. Yeah. And
2: Yuya first. Watanabe was pick one, and then pick four was, uh, Jacob Wilson. Yeah. His
0: pick one, uh, Yuya, he finished 72nd. Nice. 30 match points. He gate in six points, and really Jacob good. Wilson finished 246th. <laughs> Points. Yeah. So none of my players finished that bad fucker.
2: Uh, <laughs> hey, he had a great draft to start out the day. I don't he know did. what happened.
0: He did, uh but that got him fifteen match points. For a grand total of three, Mike finished with 39 points, uh, wow. tripling me and, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, beat me by 15. Two players with 15, you know, it's just oh, like, well, yeah, what are you yeah. going to do at that point? Uh, you needed a win at that point, you know? So congrats, Mike, you know, your first Pro Tour draft and you absolutely Yeah, great it.
1: job. Great job. There.
0: Uh, I, w- I, I have no bad things to say about that short of I got my ass kicked. Congratulations. To yeah. You can't wait for the, for the next locking up platinum with that. Yeah, great and job. And Brad right?
2: Nelson for locking up gold. Well, hey, man, they did it for you. Yeah, they did. I mean, I got, you know. I sent him a secret message, you know. They played their hearts out.
0: I, I got my lineup built for the next one already. It's awesome. I got, I got some new players coming in. I'm going to counter-draft them all.
2: Okay. We'll see we'll what this set, day day. next set looks like. That's how I'll draft mine.
0: Okay. okay. Uh <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> it's time for another break before we get into day three because we've already been here two hours now, and we need a break. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pitt Podcast is brought to you this week, last week, next week, every goddamn week, by the Brainstorm Brewery. Marcel, Jason Ault, Ryan, Corbin, they're holding stuff down with their own podcast over there, which you should absolutely check out. And don't forget to check out com, where they got plenty of good writers you can go check out for your financial needs. Oh, and you can find this show there. Yeah, this one. The one you're listening to, like, if you didn't find it on MTG Cast, like, it's over there. So you can listen to it over there if you want. Or at least, you know, go by their page and, you know, check things out and, you know, like, click on the link to us or something. I don't know. Anyway, com. Go check it out. And we're back. This is day three. This is our top eight This is, like, you know, this is the dream. This is why you play the game.
1: It is That is absolutely the truth.
0: Uh, I I mean, if your dream, if you're playing this game semi-competitively and your dream is not to be in the top eight of a Pro Tour, stop playing the fucking game. Hands down and stop. Got it? (laughs) Okay, so we will start with the... First game of the quarterfinals where Adrian Sullivan, the second seed, playing blue-black control, goes up against Thomas Hendricks in his green devotion list. Ooh, baby. Okay, so game one. Hendricks gets uh his turn three, courser countered, of course. Uh, Hendricks follows by uh, ex- ex- uh ex- his mana. Oh, yeah, expanding his mana with two caratid, a Voyaging Seder, and a Nykthos. Unfortunately, those creatures aren't going to kill nobody. <laughs> um, Hendrix casts a Genesis Hydra for six, getting a Whisperwood Elemental with the trigger. <laughs> uh, Elemental is quickly hit with Silence of the Believers. So, Adrian continues to fail to find land number five. Hendrix slowly attacks with the Sater and the Hydra, holding back his hand to avoid Crux. Uh, then he fell into it. So, like, he was holding it back, like, I'm not going to play this because he could have a Crux if he hits five. And then he was like, ah, fuck it, I could win if I just play these. And fuck
1: it, I'll just play them all anyway. Right, just yes. fuck it all, Will. Yes. there you go. So,
0: um, then Sullivan just began to take over the game after the Crux uh, by playing an Ashiok, followed by Digging. Digging's good. Yep. Uh, he got two heroes downfall with that. He used uh, Ashiok to uh, play a Pelucranos off of that tricolored land that made no sense being in his deck. Oh, that's why it's in there. Uh, that was good enough, because to, to, he was actually able to monstrous the Pelucranos with it. Okay, so with the Pelucranos, he was actually able to go ahead and monstrous it because of that tricolored land. He played it with Ashiok. Sullivan wins this 1-0 because of that. It was absolutely absurd.
1: Oh, because of the
0: opulent palace? Yes. It's ridiculous. Right. Uh, game two, uh, Sullivan quickly mulligans the six, and I mean quickly. Like, snap. He keeps six on the draw, uh, Hendrick plays in a very early Genesis Hydra for two to get a carry to, uh, slowly picking away at Sullivan, uh, he plays Shaman of the Great Hunt while, uh, one power away from, uh, using the biorhythm effect. Yes.
1: <laughs> really?
0: Yeah, dude, Sullivan has no creatures. Could you just imagine that win? Like, a- that'd be fucking epic. Yeah, that's a win. I mean, it just, its crazy to actually see that, but it was one power away, so that didn't work. Uh, he did try to, uh, play another creature, but as soon as he could, uh, it, the, the biorhythm thing got downfold. <laughs> as soon as it was a ferocious, he was like, yeah. Right. No. Mike, stop making so much goddamn noise. Sorry. <laughs> Uh Hendricks sticks a Nyssa and a Xenagos and continues to pick away with the two power creatures. And eventually, and when I say eventually, I mean like eventually, <laughs> he ends it. <laughs> it's a later on. Yes, yes. Turns later. Game three, uh Hendricks casts a turn three Whisperwood Elemental. That's usually very good. but it That's eats real a, good. Yeah, but it eats a downfall. Mm. Um, and then Thoughtseize takes a Reclamation Sage because Sullivan was like, yeah, see, I got this. Goddamn. Ah. This vault and I just cannot let that thing stay in your hand. I don't care about those great creatures you have because I have a vault. So yeah. <laughs> then Sullivan just literally starts dissolving everything, like turn after turn. It was like three turns in a row. Um, and with Sullivan tapped out, uh, Hendrick was able to cast Genesis Hydra for nine. He hits a Nissa. Uh, with Nyssa, he activates a land. Either uh go kind of fucking sets everything back to the hand except for the land. Uh, Hedrix becomes hellbent. Um, he does draw a Corsair, uh, but Adrian draws an Ugin. Ugin is bigger than Corsair. It is. Uh, and he follows that with an Ashiok. While he has a downfall in the gate in hand, uh, this is blue-black, I shouldn't have to tell you what happened after that. Safe. <laughs> <laughs> Adrian <laughs> Sullivan wins this thing, and I will say that, you know, people say a lot of things about the way Adrian sets his board up and everything, but um, actually
2: I actually enjoy that. He's I a very
0: so. polite player, and I would absolutely love to play against him. Yeah. I'm not a
2: lands a- in front guy, but the way Adrian plays with everything upside down, I'm okay with. Okay. Yeah,
1: <laughs> he, uh, he's a he's a reasonable dude. Having met him a couple times and been around him, I think he's a he's a pretty reasonable dude. I like him,
2: you
0: know, yeah. for sure. I learned the game by playing lands in front because when like I bought the the one starter set, it came with like a board that showed you how to set everything up, and the lands were in front. So, yeah, I don't know. Second quarter founder, we have Martin Dang versus uh, Marco Camalusi. Uh, dang was on red little G aggro
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: And they kept calling it like red aggro I'm like there's green in there. It's yeah. not much but there's green in there. I wish they I mean I, I wish you could get away
1: with calling it Atarkas agro cuz like it's it's agro. It's red agro with Tarkas command. Yeah,
0: no. And, and and the one become immense. One become immense, right? I know, but like they all, not all of them have that but all of them have the Tarkas command. They did. Uh so uh which reminds me, yeah, we'll go over after the top 8 or after we get through the quarters, we're going to go over the, all these guys' deck lists, so just hold on. Uh, Marco Camelusi, he was on Abzan Control. So, game one, Dang starts with three attacking creatures on turn two. Swinging lot, five. Uh, and then Marco costs the Thought seas. Ouch. Uh, the next turn, Wild Slash plus Swing, uh, puts Marco at six. And then, for some reason, Marco plays a second fucking Thought seize. It's real good. Uh, Dang attacks for three, uh, Marco casts Rhino, uh, Dang draws a lightning strike, and that is the game. This was like five turns. (laughs) Game two, Dang starts with Zergo, Marco plays it to rest, taking, uh, Stoke the Flames, uh, Dang's hand is the fucking stone nut, however. <laughs> Dang plays a dragon fauner turn two. Uh, Narco needs a black mana for Drowning Sorrow. Marco doesn't hit third land. Dang swings Marco to seven. Uh, Drowning does get cast after that. Uh, Dang follows with a rabble master. Marco plays a rhino, and Dang just swings, and with his... And of course, you know, Camelusi's like, I'm going to put this rhino in front of that rabble master. And he was like, yeah, but see, I got this one, one little fucking token over here that I'm going to cast become immense on. <laughs> Go away. Become <laughs>
1: immense.
0: dang to zero. So fast. Uh, you know, just so fast. So, so fast. Uh, our third quarterfinal of the day featured Andres Stroski with Green Devotion versus Andrew Oschweiger with Blue-Black Control. Game one, Andres starts with a Turn 1 Mystic. This is very important in this matchup uh, because if you don't hit the Turn 1 Mystic, it's kind of hard to power out quick enough to get under the uh, the Blue-Black Control deck and really apply pressure because you want to keep them on the back foot to where they're responding to what you're doing rather than, you know, deciding when they're gonna do something. Like you you're you, you begin to force them. Uh because well that turn one mystic leads into a turn three Ciroc. That must be answered. Um a couple of swings later, uh Oshwagger is at nine, uh Ciroc, he does eventually eat a downfall, but then there's a Boonsator.
1: Boonsator!
0: And that thing gets bestowed on a Rattleclaw Mystic that just flipped. So Oschwager's now gone from nine to three. Uh rattle uh, trades with Ojetai, uh but Polukranos follows for uh Stratsky. And Oschwager anticipates looking for a crux and it was not there. So so Andresh Stratsky, one zero. Okay, so Andres starts again with a mystic. Important. Oschwager uh is a little land heavy and it looks like it could very much backfire on him. Uh, Straski plays a Serac into a sitting vault and doesn't care because he swings for 10, uh, putting Andrew Oschwager at 8. End of the turn, he boonsaders, followed by another Serac. <laughs> oh, jeez. The Sirok, however, does get down. Oschwager uh, ends up going to 4. Uh, Dragonlord solomgar comes down and begins to stabilize, but um, Andre Straski was able to... Sit back, he was able to play two Arbor Colossuses in a row to demand answers to stem the tide. Uh, Ochwager attacks him while he's, remember he's at four. He attacks down Androstrosky to one, but he's tapped out at this point and Androstrosky is able to resolve a Nissa that is in his hand and attack for exactly four and lethal. Now, Stratsky played this game masterfully, uh, multiple times. He sat back and just put Oschwager on cards and he was right every time. It was absurd. He's like, yeah, I could play this, uh, four drop on turn three, but, uh, you have a Silumgar scorn. You don't have to tell me you do. I just know it. And he just played around it just masterfully. Very well played. He was, uh, I mean, dude, you called him the Padawan and he's, I, th- I think he's learned the game. Oh, yeah. I mean, he obviously knows the game. I just, I mean, I like the
1: fact that he's in Stanislav Sifka's camp. That makes me feel good.
0: I know it does. Okay, so the last quarterfinal of the day, this is the one I was waiting on. Number five, Shota Yasaoka, playing blue-black Control versus Jason Chung in his red-green dragons. Dragons. Uh Game one, Chung does not get the mystic. Uh Shota just sits there and develops his lands for a few turns. Uh, Chung casts a, an heir of the wilds into a boon to swing, uh, and he, he swings for three. Uh, Shoda dissolves a regent, and then Shoda casts a crux. Wow, he was at eight. Um, Chung plays a storm breath, putting Shoda to four. Shoda cracks a fetch and lets himself fall to three, which makes like literally no sense to anybody but Shoda, but it's Shoda, so don't argue. <laughs> I'm like it's lightning strike range doesn't matter
1: doesn't uh, matter he doesn't have
0: it. it right after the crack he's able to cast dig he gets an ice fall region um chung plays an end of turn boon Seder, it's just countered uh chung just keeps drawing boon saders. he actually drew every one of them in his deck like turn after turn after turn uh shoda just takes care of him shoda digs again um and Shota just begins to work the game until Chung is just completely out of gas. And he's like, I'm going to play a settlement guard the Drifting Death. He started swinging, um, and then he plays his frickin' Regent, and the Regent does die. But Shota takes the game over because he was too far ahead when that happened. So Shota up, 1-0. Game two, Shota mauls uh, one lander away, <clears throat> uh, Chung misses the Mystic on turn one again. Uh, Shoda ignores the Sader to counter a, a Regent, the Thunderstroke Thing Regent, the Red Regent, you know what I'm talking about. Um <laughs> Chung does stick one on the next turn. Uh, Shoda ca- does cast a Dragon Dragonlord to take that Regent because, you know, if not, he would have just countered it. But Chung, at end of turn, casts a Plummet getting back oh no. his region, and flashes out a Boonsayer. The next turn, he casts a Stormbreath Dragon and swings for lethal. Wow, that's very gotcha. Yeah, it was a very good play. Like And it was a one-of plummet. It's awesome. So that was just sick. Like, I mean, sick burn. Uh, so game three, uh, Chung gets the turn one Mystic this time. Uh, however, his second play is a land, so he doesn't get to really push out. But he plays an arrow. Shota just casts Drown in Sorrow because yeah, kills you right, just right. Um, Chung puts a Rattleclaw face down that gets uh Chen, Chung follows with a Xenagos. Um, then he plays a Thunder Regent. Shota just goes yeah, I'll just dig through time. He gets a land in the Downfall. The uh then he cast uh, he kills the Regent with the Downfall. Uh, wait wait no I'm sorry he casts Dragonlord Solomgar and he takes Xenagos. Then he kills the, uh, regent with the thing, uh, foul tongue. Foul tongue r- r- in Yeah. Yeah. It kills the Rattleclaw and, uh, gains Shota four. That's important. Uh, and then Shota, Shota plays Silumgar the drifting death. So he has a drifting death, a Xenagos, and a dragon lord Silumgar. With two heroes' downfall in hand and a backup Solumgar plus a Solumgar scorn, this <laughs> game is over, folks.
1: Game is over. Shota wins
0: two <laughs> to one. Absolutely nuts! Absolutely absurd! We need to so go we over. So have two the control
2: decks. decks onto the semis.
0: Sweet. We do have two control decks into the semis, and the lists break down as such. Do 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 do. Yep. You know, if I didn't make those noises, nobody would know that I was looking for this after post edit. Oh well. Martin He's His list comprised of such: four Foundry Street denizen, one Frenzy Goblin, two Goblin Rabble Master, one Lightning Berserker, four Monastery Swift Spear, three Zergo Bell Strikers. So short of the Rabble Masters, everything cost one. Or am I seeing things?
2: No, you're not seeing you're not seeing things. You're okay. correct.
0: That's what I thought. Sorceries, he has four Dragon Fodder, four cordling Outburst. Yep. Yeah, those are the creatures that don't cost one. Right. Uh, instance, he has 17 of those, four Atarka's Command, one Become Immense. Four Get light. him. Get him. Get him. <laughs> hey, man, it, it pushed him into the semis. Yep. Uh, he has four Lightning Strike, four Stoke the Flames, four Wild Slash. Mana, uh, he has <laughs> 11 Basic Lands. I love the way they did this wrong. It's ten mountains, one forest. He has four wooded foothills, a temple of abandon, and four mana confluence. His sideboard is as such. Two goblin rabble master, four Eidolon of the Great Rebel, a goblin heel cutter, a destructive revelry, two hall of triumph, four roast, and a scouring sands. Jason Chung. Does anyone want to take this, or do you want me to go over it?
1: Dragons! Jason Chung starts off with four Boon Satyrs, follows that with four Elvish Mystics, four Goblin Rabble masters, three Heir of the Wilds, four El- Rattleclaw Mystics, four Stormwrath Dragons, three Serac the Huntcaller, and four Thunderbreak Regent for 30 creatures. He has four Crater's Claws, which is an honorary Dragon Tribal Sorcery, one Roast, two Dracronic Roar, and uh, then he has 23 lands. There are 11 basics, which are six forest, five mountain. Then he has two mana confluence, one rugged highlands, four temple of abandon, four wooded hood hills, wooded foothills, and one haven of the spirit dragon.
0: Hood hills. Gotta watch out for the cops when you're in the The, hood hills.
1: The wooded hood hills. Gotta watch out for the cops (laughs) in the
0: hood hills. (laughs) Got, uh, one
1: roast in the sideboard along with three hornet's nest, two destructive revelries, three wild slash, three xenagos, two arc lightning, and the one of plummet
0: awesome the plummet won him a game man
1: yeah that's i mean
0: that's what you wanted to do right right mike do you, would you like to go over adrian sullivan's
2: adrian sullivan's sure all right creatures zero done got it out of the way <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. 33 spells 27 lands so we'll start with the spells there are four Bio Blight, four Dissolve, four Heroes Downfall, three Dig Through Time, three Perilous Vault, two Asioc Nightmare Weaver, two Ugin the Spear Dragon, two Jace's Ingenuity, two Silence the Believers, a slew of one-ofs in Liliana Vess, Crux of Fate, Drown and Sorrow, Dissipate, Dragonlord's Prerogative, Ultimate Price, and Aether Spouts. And noteworthy of 27 lands, uh, two Opulent Palace.
0: Go over them all, man.
2: Alright, four the Dismal Backwater. All right. Lands: four dismal backwater, four polluted delta, four temple of deceit, four swamp, three islands, three radiant fountains, Very two opulent card. palace, two opulent palace, one temple of enlightenment, one temple of malady, and one herborg tomb of Yogmoth. Sideboard: two drown in sorrows, two disdainful stroke, two negate, two thoughtseers, one Asiok, one aether spouts, one pearl lake ancient, one Tasker the Golden Fang, one cranial archive. <laughs> one one interpret the signs and one Rika's cure.
0: Cranial archive.
2: It's for the mirror. It is it's not a dragon throne of Tarkir.
0: It's not. I mean no, it's totally it's totally for the mirror. Okay, so uh I get to go over Andresh Strosky's Green Devotion List. Okay, so we have 32 creatures, two Boonsaders, four four, four Corsair of Cruphix, four Dragonlord of Tarka, four Elvish Mystic, four Pelucranos, the World Eater, four Rattleclaw Mystic, two Sorok the Huntcaller, four Sylvan Caryatid, four Whisperwood Elemental, four See the Unwritten as his sorceries. That's 36 cards, folks. 13 lands. We have three Nycthos, Shrine you Nicks. We have four Temple of Abandoned, two Windswept Heath, four Wooded Foothills, ten forest, one Mountain, sideboard consisting of four a World Waker, three Xenagos the Reveler, three Arbor Colossus, four Nylea's Disciple, and a Voyaging Sater as a Singleton. Willie, you get to go over Shoda Yasaoka's blue black.
1: Did you get? Did you get the sideboard?
0: Did I? I thought yeah, I did. I rattled okay. through it.
2: All
1: right, well, I'm that quick was quick, this, man. That was quick.
0: So uh Andrew
1: Olschwager's blue black control. No Shoda. No Shoda's, Shoda's. blue black control. <laughs> All right. One Ugin's the Spirit Dragon. Two Dragon Lord Silumgar. Three Icefall Regent. And one Silumgar the Drifting Death are his victory conditions. We have three Crux of Fate. Two Thoughtseize. 2 vile Blight, 3 Dig Through Time, 2 Dissolve, 2 Foul Tongue Invocation, 3 Heroes Downfall, 3 Jace's Ingenuities, 1 Murderous Cut, 4 Silem Gorsh and 2 Ultimate Prices. Extremely delicate numbers. Very, very nice. Of the lands, we have 6 Islands, 3 Swamps, 4 Dismal Backwaters, 1 Haven of the Spirit Dragon, 2 of them Opulent Palaces. Four polluted deltas, four Temple of Deceits, and two Urborg, Tomb of Yagmoths. The sideboard consists of one Bile Blight, two Stratus Dancers, two or one Dragon Lord's prerogative, three duress, one virulent plague, one ultimate price, two disdainful strokes, three drown in sorrows, and a negate. Sweet. Mike, you
0: want to go over Marco Cameluzzi's list? That was the Obzon, Obzon, Obzon Control. Yes.
2: Alright. Creatures, we have four Corsair of Crufix, four Siege Rhino, and two Tasker the Golden Fang. Beatdowns. Spells, we have four Thoughtsees, four Obzon Charm, four Heroes Downfall, three Elspeth Suns Champion, one Liliana Vess, one Ugin the Spirit Dragon, two Bio blight two Ultimate Price, two Utter End, and one End Hostilities. Lands, four sandsteps citadel, four temple of malady, four temple of silence, four windswept teeth, two forest, two plains, three land war waste, two caves of coilis, and an Erborg tomb of Yogmoth.
0: Man, this mana base is just crying to see a blood moon. Yep. Oh I know, right? Blood <laughs> Moon and Standard. Oh I'll be so
2: sideboard, three fleece main lions, three Drown and Sorrow, two Nissa World Rake yeah. Nyssa World Waker, two duress, two Read the Bones, one one BioBlight, one end hostilities, and one erase.
0: Fucking sweet.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I get to go over Thomas Thomas Hendricks' green devotion list. And he has two Xenagos the Reveler. Those are his planeswalkers. He has 35 creatures, starting off with a single Arbor Colossus, four Corsair Cruphix, three Dragonlord Atarka, four Elvish Mystic, four Genesis Hydra, a Hornet Queen, four Peluchonos the World Eater, two Shaman of the Forgotten Ways. (laughs) That's crazy. Dude, the fact that he actually
1: almost popped one off. I can't believe it's, like, in a standard Top 8 Pro tour. That's insane.
0: Right. I could see it maybe for the two-mana thing, but never for the formidable, like, possibility. Uh, no. For Sylvan Karyatid, four Voyaging Sader, for Whisperwood Elemental, yes... Twelve non-basic lands, and those are four Nykthos Shrine to Nyx, four temple of abandoned, four wooded foothills. We have eleven basic lands, ten forests and one mountain. A sideboard that consists of two more Xenagos the Reveler, a, another Arbor Colossus, three Nissa World Waker, one Ook in the Spirit Dragon, a Hornet's Nest, four Nylea's Disciple, two Reclamation Sage, and a Seismic Rupture.
2: Will, you know what that means.
0: That means that I am going to talk to you about Andrew Olschwager's blue-black control,
1: motherfuckers. Oh, I thought you meant never mind. (laughs) What what does that mean? Did I miss something? Ah, boops. Shh, I do miss boobs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was thinking that today. Man, missing boobs. So, uh, about this, uh, Andrew Olswagger's Blue Black Control List. We got, uh, one Ugin the Spirit Dragon, two Dragonlord Ojitais, two Dragonlord Asylum Gars, two Icefall Regents, and two Asylum Guard the Drifting Death as his win conditions. We have two Crux of Fake, one Sign in Blood, and three Thoughtsees. Four anticipates, two dig through times, one dragon lord's prerogative, three foul tongue invocation, three hero's downfall, four silumgar's guard's thorn, and two ultimate price make up his spells. Uh, notably different than either Yasuoka's or uh, Sullivan's. Pretty cool that all mm-hmm. three... All three flavors.
0: Everyone
2: playing Anticipate in the top eight.
1: Yeah. And the, the one, Sign in Blood, like, he actually cares about making sure he hits his land drops. Yeah, okay. it is mm-hmm. cool to
0: see three blue-black control lists, and all of them are just wildly different.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, two of them have kind of the same victory conditions, but, like, the one has Dragon Lord, the one doesn't have any dragons, you know, like, it's cool. They're yep. very different decks. So we have uh four Dismal Backwaters, two Haven of the Sphere Dragons, because he has eight fucking dragons and an Ugin, so of course I want two of them. Four polluted deltas, four temple of deceits, three temple of enlightenments, two temple of silence, one erborg, tomb of yagmoth, three islands, and three swamps. We have one foul tongue invocation, one thought seas, two jorabai murk lurker, <laughs> one bile blight, two negate, one virulent plague, one hero's downfall, one ashiok, the weaver of nightmares, one stratus dancer, three drown in sorrow, and one perilous vault for the longest sideboard. I mean, not ever, but you know. A lot of cards.
2: Hey, we have one a longer one with that uh legacy.
1: Oh yeah. There. Yeah, there was a fourteen card one last week, so
0: mm-hmm. right. Yeah. yeah, but that's a wish thing. Wish. You know, wishes they, they have long sideboards. Anyway, so details. This, this moves us to our first semifinal and will oh, I,
1: I totally took notes on the semifinals. I'm gonna read them you now. Did? I did please do. Yeah. So the semi <laughs> semifinal number one <laughs> A well, was 1A, uh, <laughs> so what's the 2B? No, no, the other one's 1B, <laughs> because they're not, you know, like, it's not like the guys in semifinal, the first, you know, the first one we watched were any better than the guys in semifinal, the second one. Okay. I didn't want, I didn't want them to feel, you know, worse. Okay, fair worse. enough. Yeah. So we had, uh, Dang, what's his first Martin, name? I write it down. Martin Dang. Martin I thought it was Martin Dang versus Adrian Sullivan. So, Dang Man, bring in the beats. Turn one, Zorgo. Turn two, Monastery Swift Spear, attack. <laughs> yeah. Sullivan's at 18 because all he's done is play the tap lands. One of them gained him a life. On turn three, uh, in combat, Martin Dang goes for a lightning strike on Sullivan, which is responded to by BioBlighting the Swift Spear. Mm-hmm. This saves quite a bit of damage. The next turn or er, yeah, the next turn, Adrian untaps and BioBlights the Zergo post combat. Dang uses this opportunity to stoke the flames, Sullivan, down to six life as he has taken quite a bit of damage. Uh, there's only lands in play from both sides, which you would think favors Sullivan. Unfortunately, Dang's hand is only burn spells, so he waits for a bait spell and has six mana. Casts a dragon fodder, which gets a dissolve out of Sullivan's hand, and then two strike or lightning strikes burn out the blue-black player. Yep. He's evil.
0: Yeah, very controlled. well played there. Like at one point, Dang at the end of turn could have tried to snap off one of those lightning strikes, but. He, very disciplined to hold it, so he yeah. got the right card to say, look... I can tap him out with anything.
1: Yeah, not being frustrated by the fact that he had drawn six lands, but understanding how to use that to his win, and, and that is actually you know one one of the better ways as a burn player to beat control mages, mages is not to space out your spells turn after turn and be mana efficient. That's what they want to do. You want to overload them when they're when they're tapped low on their own. You know, hopefully you just have a lot of instants, which in this case you did. Uh-huh. So, game two of course starts off with a turn one monastery swift sphere from Dang. Uh, but uh, Sullivan is prepared. He has a turn two Farika's Cure uh, on main phase to mitigate the damage of that. And gain some life. That's actually yeah. a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Going back to 21, that's exactly what he wants. Um, on turn three, a Hordling Outburst uh, is immediately Bile Blighted. On As turn four, a Hordling Outburst is immediately Bile Blighted. As it should be. All right, this is looking pretty good, right? Uh, um, so Rabble Master actually does get to survive through the turn, which meant that the token attacked the one. Uh, and then Sullivan just straight up one for ones it with a crux of fate, which I think is a wonderful play. Yeah, two for one. Uh, I mean, one the, and a half. It's, it's, a, it's a one for one. Whatever it is. I mean, it, it the saved card him it six is six points of damage next yeah, turn. Yeah, absolutely. It saved him a bunch. Uh, there's definitely two things, but goddamn rebel master, fuck that guy. <laughs> so uh, the next play from Dang is the Idolon of the Great Rebels, which unfortunately has a Hero's Demise cast on it, and therefore shocks Sullivan.
0: No, it was silence.
1: Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. Yeah, silence the believers. I wrote meets its demise, which is terrible because that's yeah. a card. Yeah, silence the believers was cast, which does not deal him
0: any damage. Yep. It was like the one removable spell he could have to where he didn't take damage. But it
1: does tap him low enough that he, it opens a window for Stoke the Flames. Uh, life totals at this point in time are 18 for Dang and 13 for Sullivan. Igelon, a second Igelon has Hero's Downfall cast on it and that makes life totals 18, 11. Dragonfather is the next follow-up from Martin Dang, continuing to add pressure, uh, and then a dashed Lightning Berserker uh, s- seems to be even more. Uh, Atarka's Command is cast, uh, but Sullivan has BioBlight and Hero's Downfall to take care of the tokens and the dashed creature. Uh, life totals are 18 to 8, however, Radiant Fountain gets cast 18 to 10, or well, not cast, but I Put it in the play, yeah. Uh, then interpret the signs. Oh, you think he's just going to like break the game wide open, but unfortunately it only draws three cards.
0: Uh, yeah, he flipped the ultimate price with it.
1: Uh, I think... No, I, um, it was Dissolve. was the one he got to
0: draw cards off, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was ultimate price and he drew two.
1: Oh, okay. Well, then, he, yeah. then he had the Dissolve in hand already. Mm. Um, the only creature Dang has in play at this point in time is a Foundry st- Street Senison, which is not the sweetest clock, uh, which actually the next turn after an attack makes the life totals 18 to 11 as another Radiant Fountain has been played. A draw-go turn from Dang and a dismal backwater make it 18 11 again the next turn. Bravo master is the next play, but Ultimate Price uh, eliminates it before even tokens are made. Uh, however, this does pump the Denison to a 2-1. Life totals are 18 9 uh, The next play, a second Denison from Dang, you would think is going to be the right kind of pressure. However, Bile Blight... Um, is cast on the one that gets to attack, the two one that gets to attack. The bio blight is responded to by Martin Dang with the become immense, thinking that it's going to deal a lot of damage, but the become immense gets negated. Uh, this leaves both players extremely low on cards in hand.
0: Yeah, Sullivan had none and Dang had one.
1: Yeah, the one card was a lightning strike. Nope. No? Nope. Mm.
0: Rabble, 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 rabble.
1: Rabble master. So Dang, (laughs) oh, oh, see, I, I have you top decked a rabble master. Uh, but, uh, actually, so he, so Dang casts a Rabble Master, but Adrian is able to top deck a Drown in Sorrow. Uh, at this point in time, Martin Dang dashes a Zergo, attacks Adrian down to six. Following turn, he gets to dash a Zergo again, down to four, has a Lightning Strike in his hand at this point in time. And then finally, dashes the Zergo again to two, uh, while Adrian Sullivan is stuck with a Drown in Sorrow in hand. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! Pow! Two zero. 0 Martin Dang is your first finalist.
0: Yeah, dashing Zergos won him that game. If he would have cast it, he would have lost, probably. Yeah, just, dash
1: is, oh, man, it's just designed to screw control majors. It, it just
0: was. avoids that and sorrow so well. Yeah, it's it's
1: super, super sweet. And, like, I love the Bayashinos. I thought they were awesome. So. Yep, yep. Our semifinal number two is Shoto Yasaoka versus Andrzej Skrowski. Uh, game one develops slowly, uh, and the first plays are Whisperwood Elemental times 2 from Andrei Sikorsky. However, they are met with Silengar's score in both times. Then Shota goes on the beatdown with the Icefall Regent. Uh, unfortunately, Tarka happens. <laughs> Atarka happens. Jesus Christ. These are my notes. That's what they say. <laughs> like, that dragon is so big. <laughs> like, okay, so that's cool. Uh, what does Shota do? Well, he, he's got a plan. He's got Dragonlord Silumgar to steal Atarka, right? So, so Silumgar happened. <laughs> yeah. So Silumgar happens. And now there's like 11 power of dragons on Yasuoka's side of the board. But then, <laughs> <laughs> Strawski just has a second Atarka to kill the Silumgar <laughs> which then Legend rules the other Atarka. <laughs> so you're like, okay, that was pretty cool. Dragons, right? <laughs> Shota Yasaoka has a second Dragonlord Silumgar. <laughs> so he, <laughs> so, he so he gets that Atarka. <laughs> Like, you don't lose that game. That's it. That's GG. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's really, it's crazy battlecruiser magic. That was awesome. Uh, to start game two, Yasuoka Mulligan's to six. Uh, a turn three Karyatid from Straski is the first play of the game. And, of course, a courser follows because those guys are pals. Uh, it does get two free lands off the top of the deck. Good mm, word. Uh Pelucranos oh, oh, gets Disdainful Stroke.
0: Okay.
1: Arbor Colossus is the next play from Strasky, but it is met with Salamgar Scorn. So, second Courser and a Nykthos come into play. Mm.
0: Your writing sucks.
1: I know it does, <laughs> man. Okay, so th- this actually starts to put a clock on Yasuoka because he has four damage coming out of the turn, and he's at 14 life. Okay. This, uh, allows him, or it prompts him to play an Icefall Regent. He, because he has finally drawn this sixth land he's been tied up, or his fifth land he's been tied up on four for a while. So, Arbor Colossus is the next play from. Strosky, which makes Nikthos go insane and gives him enough mana to immediately monstrous the Colossus. Because <laughs> it's like turn twelve or something, right? No, not even close. Uh this immediately bins the Regent, which is a bummer. So Yasuoka then has to has to pull the trigger on Crux of Fate. This of course is a window for Strosky to resolve the Nissa he had been holding in hand for much of the game and make four fours infinitely. Uh, Life totals are twenty-seven to eleven at this point in time, and Yasuoka, pretty frustrated with himself, just enters scoop face immediately, just done. So uh, we go on to game three of the semifinals of one one not a one also one a two one a two got <laughs> <laughs> uh, Straske's get he he gets the draw that he likes, and in, ter- in game three he starts with a turn one elf, which is yeah. super important. Um There is a Rattleclaw Mystic that he plays on turn two pre land drop, which actually does get 4 spiked with a Silongar Scorn. Oops. Which I'm not, not. I mean, I understand. I'm wondering if
2: it was intentional.
1: It can be intentional, right? Because like the, of all things that you want to ha- eat, like a, what could at some point in time be a real counter spell, like Rattleclaw Mystic is totally fine. But it's also what yes, it's a it's a it's a reasonable enough bait spell that. Yasuoka does really care
2: about it too. So yeah, really, I feel like that was more of a, uh, just trying to see if Shoto would pull the trigger on the
1: score. Exactly. I mean, like, he's, he's very happy if it resolves and he's also very happy if it gets countered. So was, I thought it was a really, really good play. Mm-hmm. Um, Whisperwood Elemental, however, gets, uh, disdainful stroke, which is a bummer. Then the game become, or, uh, then the game basically boils down to a Hellbent Strowski versus uh, Yasuoka after he has gotten dig through time, and has also successfully disdainfully stroked Nissa. Uh, the, the rest of the game, I mean, come on, man. It's blue-black. It's Shota Yasuoka. He eventually finds Icefall Regent. Uh, Colossus, you would think is going to, or Arbor Colossus tries to come down and get monstrous, but it does not live long enough at all. And uh Shota Asi- Yasuoka wins in three games and is on to your finals.
0: Um, let me say real fast that you know when you watch control players, most people say, "Oh, they're slow and they're boring to watch." My Shota other. plays very crisp.
1: Yeah, and that's and that's what you actually have to do as a control player if you want to. Play. Not go to
0: time a
2: lot. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like you have, because you're trying to
0: you know take 20 turns of the game, you have to get through them that much quicker. Yeah, you don't ever see him shoot into the tank to think about whether he should counter something. He just knows.
1: You just take all your time in the tank while they're tanking. You tank at trying to figure out what they're thinking about. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. He does a hell of a job at it. Um. So that moves us to a final, where we have Dang versus Shota Yasaoka. And if you blinked, you missed it. <laughs> I, I blinked. Okay, so... On the game one, Shota mauls to four after realizing, uh, that he did not de-sideboard.
1: Yeah, brutal. Ah. He,
0: he, he didn't find out that he didn't de-sideboard until the maul to five though. Right? Which sucks. So, and then Dang came out flying and, um, he just kept flying. Dang, one zero. <laughs> uh, game two, uh, Dang keeps a one-hand land, doesn't draw a second land until Shota plays an iceball regent.
2: <laughs> then he
0: plays a Solengar. And takes Dang's Which the guard? Uh.
2: Okay, that yeah, answers the question.
0: That answers the question. Let me finish what I'm saying. Uh, so GG there. So we are, we're at 1-1. One, one. Um, game three, Dang uh, again gets out to a very quick start with, uh, two Swift Spears. Uh, he hits for nine with an Atarkus Command and the Swift Spears. Ow. Right. Uh, Shota kills them after, yep. but Dang just says, okay, I got a Rabble Master. Come on, man, knock it off! He begins to dash out a Zergo, and then he casts another Swift Spear. Shota casts Icefall Region. A little, too little, way too late. Uh, Dang, 2-1. Game 4, Shota, uh, Mulligans. Keeps a 5 land plus ultimate price. Oh, man, it was so close to coming uh. through for him. Uh-huh, and Dang starts with the Swift Spear, and then an Eidolon. Uh, A, see top a virulent plague rate right when dang plays an outburst so like dang plays an outburst and then the next draw is a virulent plague and he also has another outburst in his hand at this time too uh-huh um he ultimate prices the on taking a couple damage there dang plays another it dies as well uh dang follows again with a rabble master showed st- uh stops drawing actual spells uh, but dang yeah, does real not.
1: Real bummer, he he was like one or two more spells away from stabilizing.
0: Right, uh, but dang does not. It just swift spear. Plus yeah. <laughs> plus the perk command. Finishes this. Uh, congratulations to Martin Dang, your Pro Tour Dragons of Tarkir champion in what I would call one of the most boring fucking finals. A human being. Well, could fight. it's a, it's a good. It, it could have
2: been a, a green white devotion mirror.
0: That's true. It could have been a green white devotion mirror. It's not that. Uh, it just it was anticlimactic. It's it's a good matchup
1: That's for him, and he played the matchup really well. Like you have to go into extreme minutiae to appreciate how good these players are because the matchup is so lopsided yeah i mean
0: watching it it was just like well does he stabilize
1: yeah i mean like for the for the blue black list that Yasuoka main decks you'd need like an 11 card sideboard or something to to fight the blue the mono red deck it's so bad
0: yeah it was not a good matchup dang brought the right deck for the weekend
1: yeah he super did and he played it great he did
0: i mean there was multiple times where like you know I would make mistakes and I know it and I'm sure others would make mistakes as well by playing cards a little earlier than they should and he he ran it throughout the days perfectly but just I felt like you know because there was so much good magic I really enjoyed it and then the finals just seemed anticlimactic to me after watching Mm -hmm. so much good magic over the the three days Uh, but (laughs) I'm not a red mage Uh,
1: yeah I mean he he certainly made
0: red magic look real good (laughs) I'm not really into the burn and to be realistic like I, I I honestly cannot tell you the last time a mono red I'm saying that with air quotes because there's green in it deck one approach or so
1: yeah no it's been forever which I think is awesome mm-hmm. it's like the little deck that could you know it it never wins ever but it's usually like really well represented
0: right so I mean like that, that was really cool I'm happy for the guy obviously because you know he he's it was his first pro tour top eight and you know he he rode it to the end so it's pretty awesome. really
2: cool. Um, There's yeah. a lot of firsts for Pro Tour Top Eights this one. Yeah,
0: they're really even was. technically
2: you can kind of consider Shota because he never top 8ed an individual Pro
0: Tour, an individual, but he had seven top 16s. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, he was just like the best Magic player on the planet for two years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I don't know, like, well, 2011, I want to say he was. Was it 2011 or 2006?
1: He was. Playing no, it was, it was like er- earlier than that. Like, like when Ravnica Block was coming out, like everyone was talking about how sweet he was. Just everyone waited. for for to, like, make a deck and then copied it the week after he did.
0: He was the 2006 Player of the Year. Yeah. I have notes. (laughs) Okay, so uh, we have a top five cards here for the Pro Tour, and this will be the last thing we touch on in the Pro Tour. But you know what? Before we get to that, guys, I want to know, because I gave my opinion of the Pro Tour. Will, what was your opinion of the Pro Tour overall?
1: Uh, I mean, okay. So, like, I don't necessarily like, like,
0: dragons, like, dragons, you know. There was a lot of dragons. It was it's like, kind
1: of cheesy. But yep. like, the cards themselves are sweet. And the magic that I saw get played was, uh, A, I, I didn't have to watch a whole lot of Sea
0: Rhino matchups, which was great. Um, and. <laughs> yeah, you got the right day of standards. Yeah, you know?
1: <laughs> but like, uh, I thought that, the magic was really big and powerful and swingy and and like wow, that's not what I grew up on. I did think it was really
2: enjoyable. I had fun for sure.
0: Mike, what did you think of the Pro Tour overall?
2: Uh I liked it. Um, I unfortunately didn't get to watch a lot of it live.
0: Work schedule the videos kind of are good. interfered
2: with uh, Yeah. Uh but from what I did watch, I really enjoyed it. Um, there was a lot of decks, some unique brews out there with the Cormana Flare and the uh Strength of the Fallen. All well, five um, of those guys made top made day two. I can't oh, believe that. that text that text
0: real. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. nuts. It was designed but, by a uh, Good player, man. Good sh- depth designer.
2: I actually enjoyed this one a lot more than I enjoyed uh Pro Tour Cons. I mean sure there was the issues like the chapin thing, then there's the DQs, but like the actual magic I got to watch was more enjoyable for me than cons was. Uh, that was just my take on this one. Yeah, I, I didn't necessarily enjoy the meta as much
0: then as I do now. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fair. Um, yeah, So our top five cards was, well, there's, we're going to say dragons a lot, trust me. Dragons! Uh, in no particular order, from top to bottom will be the order. Dragon Lord Atarka. Because well, how big is he? She's eight she? ah, eight. She's eight eight. She's fucking huge. Dude, she's 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 like the bigger version of Boggard and
1: Hellkite that costs less mana. Right.
0: And it has trample. <laughs> so absurd.
1: Wow. Yeah, uh, no, I mean it's like just I, I, having watched it get whipped out, <laughs> it's it's real good. Yeah. yeah. Like and, and it comes into play on turn five or six sometimes. It's crazy shit.
2: Yeah. Just not, I've done a turn five in a draft. Yeah. You you win quickly with that. I
0: bet. I bet. So uh let's see. The next card is well, when you got to take something, <laughs> control magic's really good. Turns out when you put it on a three-five with flying and death touch, it's even better.
2: Dude, <laughs> they, they're <laughs> kind of rivals in that in the semis. It yeah. takes planeswalkers. Dude,
0: it's just it takes whatever. It's it's wonderful. Dragon Lord Sulumgar.
1: You're human-sized. I
0: want you. Just so stupid. Uh, then we have Sullen Girl Scorn, which turned out to be a lot of times Counterspell. Bonkers. This card, this card is so, so good. Yeah, you see two islands open, you're actually like legitimately scared again. That's I'm
1: very excited to be able to run the two island bluff with some kind of success these days.
0: Right?
2: That's where Anticipate is so good, even though only one of the control decks had it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's a fine card, absolutely. I really like it in the, uh, like the Jeskai
2: lists.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the idea of saying, look, I gotta them Garth Scorn, and if they don't run something into it, I'll just anticipate. I can get behind that, Mike. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Thunderbreak Regent is our next one, because that was the dragon everyone expected to just be fuck all everywhere.
1: And it was everywhere. There yep. were 32 players on the, or... 26. There were, there were X number of players on the red-green dragons list, Yeah. X was
0: more than 20. Yeah, there's something to be said about saying, I'm going to play Thunderbreak Region and then I'm going to play Storm Breath. It's crazy shit. Yep, so let's see. Those were three dragons and one card that cares about dragons. Yep. And then we have a command of a dragon, a Tarka's command.
1: Yeah, I uh, am extremely impressed by this card's power level. I would have picked mm-hmm. Dramoka's command to be stronger than it, but after watching what it did... It's very, very good. I mean, maybe right now in a vacuum, Dramoka's command might be very, you know, might be better, yeah. but just like, two mana command is fucking bonkers. Yeah, it is. It's insane. It's, it's just, I mean, it's going to be a
0: modern card for sure.
2: Yep. Has yeah. to be. Just gets nuts. around ley lines and the pump is also relevant. Yeah.
0: Very much so when you have tons of fucking hordling outburst creatures and dragon fodder creatures and everything else. So, but that was the pro tour. Uh, Will, what so, have you been up to, you- sir?
1: uh you know what man i uh i started working with you again in the landscaping uh deal
0: yeah yeah you got yeah.
1: red dude i got so sunburned oh my god it sucks i like lost sleep last night because of sunburn. you'd roll over and be like ow honestly. yeah i'm awake again like so uh but that's cool though i i mean i as far as jobs go like i enjoyed as much as i possibly can which is nice and uh so yeah, I've been doing that, and um, you know, I watched the pro tour and, and took notes on it so that you guys could hear about it. And that's my whole life.
0: Well, you know what? The pro tour took up a lot of my life too. So I I, yeah. I can't
1: no, say anything. I, I had a, I had a good weekend. I had a fun. I mean, I played D and D. I'm like winding winding down my D and D campaign. I'm like next week is probably the season finale. I'm pretty sure I'm going to kill everyone. It should be really fun. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I'm leaving soon, so you guys get to die. <laughs> yeah. We'll see if anyone survives. They can make it. They can be in the next campaign, right? It'll be sweet.
2: Can I be in the next campaign, Will?
1: Uh, I don't know, man. I don't have too many players right now, so I could probably fit you in.
2: Yes. Yeah, we'll see. So,
0: Mike. Uh, yeah. What's going on in your world? How was that Penguins game?
2: Uh, it was disappointing, but it was fun to go. Um, they aren't playing too hot right now, but, uh, let's hope they can turn it around the playoffs, I say, with, uh, not very high hopes.
0: Yeah, I I say they got four games to turn it around, or they're
2: fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I went to that hockey game on Friday. Uh, I've been working a lot, like five, six days a week if I pick up a shift, so... I don't. Know, I haven't been that. How much time for paper magic this past week because of that. Um, and then The Weekend, dominated by the Pro Tour and Notes, which I actually uh, was scrambling to finish before recording this, so procrastination. <laughs> Welcome
0: to the Pit Imps. Trust me, me and Will were both doing the exact same thing. I was watching videos from 4.30 until 8.02. <laughs> I mean,
1: to be fair, I watch for enjoyment over the weekend. I watch because I love magic over the weekend, yep. and then I take notes when I have to.
0: Yeah, it's like I watched all the standard and stuff, but I didn't take notes from them, and it was just kind of more enjoyable because of that. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't have to take notes. This no, is no, awesome. No kidding. I can just yeah. watch magic. Um,
2: luckily I got a weekend of fun planned. I'm gonna go down to Pittsburgh for the weekend for uh TechO. It's a uh Japanese anime and manga convention with my oh, friends really? gonna Yeah. Hmm.
0: Oh, well, well. what is does that saying? That's Will bouncing in and out.
2: I'm sorry. I leaned <laughs> what back. What were you trying up. to say, Will?
1: I said that's awesome, and then I lean back and unplug my microphone. That
0: happens from time to time with him. We're <laughs> not used to that yet. <laughs> I can't help you. Um,
2: and the fun part about the weekend is they actually have, uh, magic tournaments. They're gonna have four. They're gonna have two standard or draft and a modern. And the finals from each of those do a draft on Sunday where the winner gets a free, uh, badge for next year's con. That's awesome. So. That's
0: sweet. I know a couple mm-hmm. people. I got a kid that I, uh, my wife works with. He, like, rents a hotel, and he goes every year to that thing. It's a big deal, The
2: the most fun is more or less the going down with your friends than the actual con itself. The con itself is still fun, but most of it's, you know, you're drinking with your friends in your hotel room, having fun. Cleveland, for example.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, that's the best part about anything you go to is the people that you're with. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally anything you do, like, the people you're with will make or break it.
2: It's true. Yep. So, So, Angela, what have you been up to? Um,
0: I've lived an interesting life this week, uh... Tell us about it. Well, obviously, you know, like, we'll come back to work, so that was good. Um, it, it's, it is fun to work with Will because we
2: have you come, yelled at him a
0: lot? No. And have fun doing it? Dude, are you kidding uh, me? It's a mulch party. Like, he's great on a mulch.
1: Dude, party. mulch party, man. Mulch party. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> look, we spread in the last two days, we spread 90 yards of brown mulch. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. Yeah, Home it's Depot like, was sold out. There's uh, another 45. 10 of red. Yeah, there's another 45 yards coming. I Actually, it should be there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that, that's Wills tomorrow. I'm yeah, no, where, what do you get field. to do tomorrow? You're I'm going to go work on a ball field.
2: Oh, that sounds fun. I'm going to go to Home Depot and load mulch there. It's exciting. There.
0: Awesome. Uh, but little update. I did get to go to my doctor. Uh, uh turns out there's a couple spots of, concern uh it was caught extremely early however and it has not metastasized into my uh into my fat cells even so it's purely good topical news. yeah uh so it's just you know laser bzz, done it's awesome so that that's that's good news um i haven't Yay had much for of that recently. health insurance right gay for dot for forcing me to go get a physical every two years yeah that's cool yes because if it would have been like next year then i'd have been in trouble yep so good good on that um I do have a story for you guys that, you know, Ooh. you guys might like, you know, there's, I really look at this world as two types of people. Okay. You're either <laughs> me and will <laughs> no, no, no. realistically, like 2% of the population is exceptional. Okay. Yes. Okay. So that, that's a different group. That's 2% of the population. True. Okay. 48% of the population or 49% are stupid and ignorant. Right. Yep. The other 49% are dicks. The truth is, if you can't figure out which one of those you're in, you're probably not in the two (laughs) percent. I probably know where I'm at. Okay, I got to figure it out. I'm a dick, but. I'm sitting there the other day at work, and I got to meet a very curious cross-sect of the two because there is a subgroup within that 98% that is both. the <laughs> <you> Ignorant dick. <laughs> right? So I'm fucking just hustling, you know, doing my thing, pushing the spreader. It's pouring down rain, and I'm spreading fucking granular fertilizer. Oh, is this Thursday? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool, just fucking soak to no end. And this dude starts fucking honking his horn, waving at me and shit. And I'm like, you know, I look away from him for a second and go, what the fuck did I do to this guy? But
2: You're then really I turn hard. around,
0: all nice and properly, uh, you know, get rid of the dick face. And I'm like, yes, sir, how can I help you? And I am making none of this up, including accents. <laughs> this guy <laughs> looks at me. And goes, I just want you to know that I'm glad you're doing that and not some stupid fucking Mexican. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Uh. And I'm just like, wow. Uh, okay yeah I am so offended by what you just said just so shocked and I'm just like yeah that wasn't racist at all you know and I'm just <laughs> yeah and then he drives away and this is where I feel bad for and I mean this truck was just beat up and fucked up but I feel bad for all of my southern friends because his license plate says Alabama on it
1: oh uh, <laughs> yeah Alabama sucks it's real real shitty down there <laughs> roll tide I mean I'm sorry to all of our Alabama enlist Listeners, look, I I bet you're awesome. Right. But I bet you think that parts of Alabama suck too.
0: I bet you I know. rode a, I rode a bicycle through it. My brothers go to school there, yeah. you know? I bet you know people exactly like what I'm talking about. I bet you yes. see them every day. And, you know, the only reason the dude's up there, like, because we do see these license plates a lot, is where there's all that shale business and all yeah, that. Natural, natural gas. Mm-hmm. And there's people who are coming up from the south to work on that stuff. And it just, they're getting paid really well. They are. Just floored by that. Like, I mean, I, I, I'm i pretty quick-witted, and I had no response to that. Just, what? <laughs> <laughs> a derp? <laughs> I just went, yeah, Okay. <laughs> And he drove away, and you know what? That might have been the best response because he drove away immediately.
1: Thank you for driving away before I hurt anyone. <laughs> before I get you to punch me.
0: Oh my god, man. So, you know, that was that, uh, that was my good story of the week. Wow. Guys, uh, it was ignorant dick. Ignorant dick, exactly. He was the cross-sect of that community. Wow. Uh, but guys, uh, real quickly, do you have any shout-outs, Will?
1: Oh boy, I'd love to give a shout out to old uh James Tiberius Bags Vance. That guy is the man. Jimmy Bags. Bags, man. No, he's he's a real good guy to work for and I'm glad I'm glad to be working with you and glad to be working with him again. So that's that's cool. It'll be uh gives me a real nice pad to uh to be real comfortable this summer hiking, which is great. Sweet. Um I would also like to give a shout out to Duclaw Brewing Company, Sweet Baby Jesus, yet again. Man, it's good beer. Mm-hmm. Phew. Uh, I had more, but I just forgot about
0: all of them. I, I can't say I blame you. Mike, yeah, you got big any big shout-outs? Uh,
2: yeah, I have two. Um, shout-out to Brad Nelson and Josh Carter-Layton.
1: Ah, uh, shit's on <laughs> us.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, good picks, man. Good picks. Uh, Great, uh, pick. Great dick.
2: And then shout-out to Spring. We didn't get to see it very long up here. It no. went from snowing to 80 degrees, not much was, in between. Yeah,
1: it was pretty summery
0: yesterday. It was pretty spring-like today. It today, was. yeah, it was funny though because I know I tweeted that out too. I was like three weeks ago yeah. It was snowing. Yeah. No. Today it was 80 degrees, was not, not even snowing too, but like bitter cold, zero yeah. degrees. It was laying on the ground three weeks ago, and it's like, oh, wow. hey, spring, I, I missed you, man. Uh, I love spring. um, I I have shout outs. I have a bunch of them, but I am just going to loop them all into one hole and say anybody who's reached out to me. Since I uh, put out what I had to put out last week, I very much appreciate it, and I thank you all. It would take me a while to do it individually, and we're already three hours into this recording, so just accept it as I am speaking to you if you reached out to me. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much. I truly, truly mean that. Um, now, contact info. If you want to get a hold of me, you can get a hold of me at Gonksuo on Twitter. That's G-A-N-K-S-U-O-U. Same thing on M T T O. Also, you can find me at the Pit Podcast in Podcast at gmail.com if you need something a little more long form. Also, this past week I re- or actually a few days ago, I released an episode of Im's Prison. That's the word. Yeah, got it. <laughs> with Jay Bush, where we talked about everything from drinking Baileys from a shoe to <laughs> wow. Is it a lady shoe? It's a joke. Uh, you watch the have you ever watched the Mighty Bush? Yes. Okay. You've seen the episode with uh old greg yes i have okay oh, the yes. first question he has you ever drink bailey's from a shoe oh, yeah. do you want to go to a party where people wee on you uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah you know we talk about that we talk about a little bit about hockey we talk about some golf we talk about how jay was when he was growing up and some other things i mean it was a good just conversation between you know two new old friends um so go check that out and yeah, there's probably other ways, but at the moment they're slipping my mind. Will, how would people get a hold of you?
1: Oh man, they get a hold of me on the Facebook page. It's about the Pit podcast group. It's on Facebook. I'm sure you can put A to B together. I mean, figure it out. You're you're techno techno savvy. Uh I'm also on Facebook myself, uh Facebook slash bad dinner. Uh yeah, that's that's me. That's my life. Mike, how would people get a hold of you?
2: I'll will I'll help them out if they can't put A and B together. I'll give them C. It's you go to Facebook and the search bar at top. You type in Pitman's podcast. Great page. Click on it. Then hit join. We welcome you. We're
1: all there. If you're not a robot, that's like
0: meant to spam us. Oh, we'll get you. Or if you're a brand new podcaster who. Dude, this happened this week. Like, I, I accepted this dude, and literally one minute after I accepted him, he started advertising his podcast. And I'm like, what yes. the fuck? You didn't dude, even that's... say hi. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Goodbye. <laughs> thanks. Jeez, assholes. Nothing.
2: But uh, you can also get a hold of me on Twitter, at Huntmaster underscore Mike, and on the MTGOs, at mtgxmike you okay. also have a cool little cool clan there. Just join it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's the Bidim's clan. Like, send me a message when I'm on there. Um, should...
2: If you can't find him, find me. Yeah. I'll let him know.
0: Yeah, it should be on, I should be on there actually a lot more coming up. I do, I am redeeming a bunch of sets within the next month, so.
2: Mm, that off moment where I was pointing when I was referring to you and me. No one yeah. can see that.
0: <laughs> Radio. Yeah. Radio. Yeah. But realistically, everyone, uh, thank you uh, for listening. I know these long ones are, uh, long. <laughs> But AM. Fun. we enjoy doing these for you. And, you know, these pro tours are important to us and they should be important to you if you're a competitive player. And I hope we bring you good coverage next week. We get to go over a standard tournament in, in Krakow, GP and also uh, GP Kyoto, which is fucking legacy. So sweet. I'm so pumped. Japanese legacy GP or GP. Oh, Cannot absolutely, wait. Absolutely pumped. And uh Zach is going to come on and give us his stories from the PT. He didn't do the best, but, uh, I mean, he he made an appearance. He did what he had to do. And, you know, I'm proud of him just for making it there to be. Yeah, friend. no shit. Awesome. But until next week, guys. Oh, hey,
2: fuck talk or nothing.
0: Aww. Yeah. Have a good one, folks. And you <laughs> fuck yourself.